Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature is First Blood and Missing in Action. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Last week was just messed up because we had an actual, like, real snow day here. Mm. Where, like, literally everything got shut down. And that just blows children's minds. So, <laughs> it's just, there was, he was just not recovered from it at, like, 9.30 at night. He was still, like... Dad, remember when I didn't have to go to school today? I'm like, yeah, I remember. That was awesome. We should do that every day. You're like, fuck no. It was also, it was also supposed to be his first day back after Christmas holidays, plus then like two weeks of school being shut down due to COVID. So, <laughs> for oh, actually five, five weeks total off because there was a week before the Good holidays were shut down too. And then the first day back, it's like, Sorry, schools are closed. Did he even know what school was at this point? He's like, what are you talking about school? Yeah, he remembered where it was because he made me take him there in the middle of the snowstorm because he remembered that when they plowed the plow, there's a big hill of snow that he wanted to climb. So it's like, well, can't drive anywhere. Might as well walk you over to the school and let you climb the big hill. <laughs> it is what you do. You're just like, yeah, go find a hill. Uh, so I guess I'm picking movies next week. Are you? I don't know. I think it's my turn in the rotation. I'm just looking at the list. Trying to figure out what I want to do. Hmm. I don't know. I'll figure it out by the end of the show, I guess. May I suggest not Chuck Norris movies? Oh, no. We're doing full Chuck Norris month. Next oh. month. Sorry. Right. Do you guys uh, hear yourselves and me properly? Yeah, so I'm hearing. I think uh, so. I'm hearing a lot of breakup when you guys talk. I'm wondering if I should jump out and jump back in. Yeah, I hear everything just fine. All right, all right. Give me a sec. Okay. Another another moose in the internet cables. <laughs> just got those antlers all twisted up. Really? We're still doing that joke? Oh yeah. I wasn't right. even the one that brought it up this time. It was it was Noah. <laughs> Uh, do we sound better? Better for you, Doug? I believe so. Okay. We see how it goes. We're not crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery? Not currently. Mm. Hopefully it'll happen while you guys are expressing your poorly <laughs> thought out opinions on the movies. Bean. Poorly thought out. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought missing in action was a masterpiece. <laughs> Well, Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell us the plot of fucking missing in action? Uh, so Chuck Norris 
used to be a POW, apparently. Uh, we're just told this. We don't know this for a fact. Uh, they do yeah, show. They some don't black. actually show him this. <laughs> they don't yeah, show him in the POW fun. camp. <laughs> it's a fun situation. What a fa- those cannon, what a those cannon boys. They do show him being forced to march twice. Uh, my God. Okay. Okay. Sorry, my crazy wife's telling me stuff from the kitchen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this shows up to know. a dynamite start. So it's far. more. It's more interesting than missing in action. Um, so he was a POW, apparently escaped. We don't know. We we haven't seen that that part of it. Um, he does have some flashbacks to his time, but then he goes back to Vietnam. I don't even remember why they brought him back, but he goes. They have some, I don't know, some big like ceremony of some sort, like in a court. Some people would call that a uh, <laughs> court case. It's, it's a meeting. It's a meeting to discuss whether yeah. the Vietnamese are still holding American POWs. That's what it was. And, and uh, they brought him along because he's been making public accusations that that's the case. Yes. yes. And they're, they claim he's committed war crimes and he's like, you're full of shit. Um, I haven't committed war crimes, and I don't care how many foreign political people <laughs> I have to murder to prove it. Yeah. Um, so he finds evidence of some sort that they are still holding some POWs and goes on a one-man, well, two-man wrecking crew to rescue POWs. Um, and really the last 20 minutes of the movie is what the entire movie should have been. But instead, we get a lot of, I don't know, people saying, you're a war criminal, and him going, no, I'm not. And that goes on for like 45 minutes. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's in a movie about uh, a bunch of POWs that are trapped and being mistreated, and this guy goes on a mission to save them. I don't know how they manage to actually not get you on his side. Like through the whole movie, I'm like, you're a piece of shit, man. Like, well, you're fucking murdering people. One, you're just one, murdering people. Yeah. One of the core flaws of this film is that they took like the most controversial war in recent memory. And they're like, let's just go with everybody will assume the Americans are the good guys and the other guys are automatically bad. And so we'll just he can do anything and he's just automatically our hero. Yeah. And it's like, no, people aren't really on board with that when you're talking about Vietnam. It doesn't quite work that way. When they're like, they accuse him of war crimes, and it's like, they expect, it's, this film, I believe, it, they expect the audience to be like, how could you accuse an American of war crimes in Vietnam? Yeah. But everybody's like, yeah, we, we've heard there was a lot of that going on, actually. So, um, <laughs> like, yeah. it's... It's it's really awkward because it's canon films trying to do the canon films thing, except you're talking about a real war. Like, whereas if these were just, you know, random khaki wearing bad guys, that might work a little better. Yeah, there's an easy way to do this. And they they chose not that way to make this movie. And uh, most of it's really boring. I was bored for a lot of it. And there's some more glad to hear this because I was worried I was going to be the only one saying that. No. I could not like how is there this much talking about war crimes in this movie and not just 
we're going to spend an hour and a half of people shooting and blowing stuff up because that's that's what I wanted out of this movie and I did well, not get it. When when you look when you look at the format of this movie, it is very very similar formatting to Commando. Mm-hmm. Right, which came out what, one year later, and it's yeah. you know retired military guy gets dragged back in. There's a personal element to it. Finds somebody, teams up, goes to the thing, launches a one man war against the military, saves yeah. the day. That's the basic format of this movie mm-hmm. and of Commando. And look how much more fun Commando is than this movie. <laughs> like it's weird because it's this is a canon movie, so it's not like a serious dramatic film. Yeah, there, there's no. There's nobody trying to evoke a conversation about the the conflict or about who was right and wrong or it's it it really is just playing the commando angle, but then they don't do it in a fun way. So what's well, the point? You know what the problem with that is is that everyone knows this is a canon film except for Chuck Norris, who thinks this is a one hundred percent a serious movie and he is a serious actor. <laughs> well, that could be part of the problem. Yeah, that could be it. Well, I always tell people, so Chuck Norris is like Jean-Claude Van Damme if Jean-Claude Van Damme couldn't deliver exciting fight sequences and wasn't charming. Like, yeah, okay. he is yeah. he is the wettest shit blanket of a fucking actor. And I yeah. love all these cheesy bad actors, and he is the worst. See, I don't think I've seen a lot of Chuck Norris movies. I do remember watching whatever Expendables movie he was in. And I called him a charismatic black hole because whenever he showed up, it's just like, oh, this movie. Yeah, stopped everything being fun. grinds to a fucking halt while he's on screen. Yeah. Well, the best the best thing he did in his entire career was Walker, Texas Ranger. And that show blows. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is interesting because I'm not a Chuck Norris guy either, but I always assumed that he was a bad actor, but he could put on a good fight scene. Mm-hmm. And that's not so what I'm getting that. from watching this movie. Like, I'm just not getting that. And part of the problem, no. I think, is that... So Chuck Norris is like... I think he, I looked it up. He's like in his 40s when this movie is made, right? Which is like the age we are. Well, I can't do good fight scenes in action movies either. Like, most people can't in their 40s. So you either move on and become a good actor, or you just, like, retire and go away. But he's not he's not like John Claude Van Damme because John Claude Van Damme went out of his way to stay in excellent shape as he got older so he could continue doing the action scenes. <laughs> Chuck Norris isn't in that good of a shape. He looks like an average 40 something year old man. That dude's busting the total gym every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's weight resistance <laughs> training, Doug. It's weight resistance training. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's just, it's very strange. Like when he, cause there's a big scene early on, there's a scene where he's like laying on a bed and he's got his shirt open. And I'm thinking, why, if you look like that, just button up your shirt. That's what I would do as well, an actor. Like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, here's, I get that. Like the guys that spend though. six See, hours a thinking, day in the gym. You're thinking Chuck Norris is in his forties and therefore had gone downhill in his shape. But the movies that actually kind of like made Chuck Norris's career, like his work with like Bruce Lee and shit, go back and watch those. He was still a fucking doughy, hairy chested weirdo. <laughs> like he just yeah. those and those fight scenes looked good because he was working with fucking Bruce Lee, who's awesome. Okay, yeah. I'll take that. 
I mean, the Bruce Lee also like, fucking did a kung fu scene against a basketball player, and it looked fucking great. That's <laughs> a good point. All right, well, we will get we will get to the Bruce Lee week one of these days. But for the purposes of this movie, the other thing I noticed is like Chuck Norris being forty something when they put him in the flashbacks where he's supposed to be younger, he's like having age. trouble. He he. First of all, he looks exactly the same, and it's like this is supposed to be a flashback, like. Not exactly the, the same. The flashback scenes. Shave the beard. No. Keep the mustache. <laughs> Present day full it, beard. But it's like, did he? Is that even true? I thought he had the beard in the flashbacks. But, anyways, some of the stuff I remember, especially. Being... Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm thinking of missing an action three. <laughs> because we'll get into that. We watch that for about twenty minutes apiece. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um, so anyways, like my point being that he in those flashback scenes, he looks too old. Like he he's not they did nothing to age him down. He's not in great shape, but he's carrying this giant gun like which like would look really cool in Arnold Schwarzenegger's hands. But in an average person's hands, it like weighs him down. So he can't even really run properly and stuff. There's like a, a point where he like, he's running in and he runs up a flight of stairs and it, I'm like, it's taken him a long time to get up those stairs. Like I'm getting bored watching him run up the stairs. Like, and, and part of that is just the filmmaking. It's not all on him because carrying a big gun is difficult to do. So cut around that somehow. I don't know. Like I'm sure, I'm sure editors know how to do that to make it look cool. But it reminded me of like when you watch a superhero movie where the, the superhero is female and they put her in like high heel boots and then they expect her to run and look cool. And it's like they just they, they can't. They, there's no way to do it. And there's no way for Chuck Norris to look cool carrying a gun that's clearly too heavy for him to be carrying. It's just it's it's rough. And you're like, this is supposed to be an, a fun action movie, I thought. Uh, it's strange. Yeah. And that's and those are like the opening sequences. So when that's what's happening as the opening sequences then you're like, I don't know what I'm watching anymore because I'm watching the Canon Films logo and then I'm watching not fun action. Well, that those two things don't go hand in hand. Like it's like, what does Canon know how to do besides fun action? Nothing, right? So yeah. <laughs> the one the one thing that adds any type of Canon flair to this film is the fact that they find a whole lot of excuses to go back to the same strip club over and over again. <laughs> it just it just to put some tits and ass in the movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. hey I, I thought you know the best part of the whole movie is that james fucking hongs in this movie and then that mm. motherfucker murders him he murdered lopan i'm even further off of this side <laughs> yeah you know since we started talking about this i think i realized the chuck norris i have in my head is the one from that movie sidekicks with jonathan brandis that I saw in the okay. theater when I was a kid. And he plays like a goofy version of Chuck Norris. But. Okay. So if nobody's seen Sidekicks, Jonathan Brandis is a kid. It's basically Karate Kid. But his Mr. Miyagi is an imaginary Chuck Norris playing himself. So he, he, lear- he that learns. Like, happy hearing you say that. <laughs> he, he learns. He learns karate by his imaginary friend who is Chuck Norris because he idolizes Chuck Norris. And so Chuck Norris plays himself, but then it'll be like, I don't remember what the kid's name is supposed to be, but he'll be like, no, this is how you do it, Jonathan. And then he'll pull like a ninja mask down and then you cut to a stuntman doing 
ninja moves, and then you cut to <laughs> Chuck Norris pulling the mask back off and be like, see, we did it. So I think that's that's the image of Chuck Norris that I had in my head, and then I watched this movie and was like, holy shit, this is fucking boring, and he's not doing shit in this movie. Yeah, the only, the, uh, yeah. besides that when the only Chuck Norris movie I can think of that I legitimately enjoy is Delta Force, but Delta Force is so over-the-top ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the movie I kind of wanted, but <laughs> didn't get that here. Yeah. yeah this but movie's I, real I still, long, too. Like, it is. I think we should go back to complaining about the fact that when we do all these flashback scenes to Vietnam, he's not in a prisoner of war camp in the flashback scenes. And he should be, because that's what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. So why not just ha- like just film some films of him stuck in like cages and shit? Like I said, Doug, they showed him marching. How cruel is that? How cruel is it that instead of marching with his his unit, the evil, evil Asian people were making him march? Guess. Should we talk about it was. Should we talk about the weird since we're complaining that he's not in like a POW camp in any of the flashbacks? Should we talk about that they they had shot a whole another movie where he is in the POW camp already? Oh, yes, we should. I don't know that, so. Oh, you don't? No, so, I, so don't we, know. I don't know facts. I don't look things okay. up. Well, the interesting thing is, it's interesting that this is paired up with First Blood, even though okay. off the top of it, you're like, well, I can kind of see that. The weird thing is Stallone went to Canon to try to raise money for, for First Blood. And they're like, no, we can't, we can't afford to give you eleven million or whatever he was asking for. As soon as he walked out of the room, they're like, you know, that's not a bad story though. We should just do our version of it for like four million. So they came up <laughs> with missing right. action. So they decided, let's shoot two movies back to back. We'll do, we'll do the one where he's in Vietnam as a POW, film all that, and then we'll film the sequel. Or he has to come back and free everybody from the POW camps. So they shot him. I, I, I really like that idea on paper. <laughs> so they shot him, and then they realized, oh, the second one is actually a better movie. So let's put that one out, and then we'll make the second one a prequel. So that's what they did. <sighs> Canon <I> films. <laughs> I, I knew that I knew that Missing in Action Two was a prequel, but I didn't realize that whole story. Oh yeah, yeah, they shot that one. That's interesting. First ish. Because one of the things I was going to bring up, I was going to ask if you guys had seen Part Two, because I thought the idea of him doing a prequel when he was even older would have been really difficult. <laughs> um, but I, I guess think I've seen all of them at one point, just because I'm a canon freak. But I don't. Yeah. Once again, I I just out of all of these people, I would I would straight up watch a Billy fucking Blanks movie before a Chuck Norris. Movie. <laughs> no, don't don't say that because I can make that happen. Listen, there's, listen, there's, listen, listen, there's that one where Brian, he's don't the be janitor that teaches kung fu. It's great. The, that's the one I used to yeah. watch that on cable all the time. He starts teaching yeah, that shit, kid kung fu, and he's like, here. First, you got to learn how to clean these toilets. He's like, "Oh, is this like karate kid stuff? Like wax on, wax off?" He's like, "No, this is this is cleaning toilets." No, clean the toilet. <laughs> now we're gonna do Tai Bo. <laughs> you got to do Tai Bo for an hour a day. Get your cardio in. Uh, do not want to watch that so, movie. 
Can we talk about missing in action some more, please? Do we have to? I'd rather not. <laughs> I want well, I got some more complaints to make. Okay. I got, oh, okay. I'll give you my, my one Go positive. Let's let's do the one positive. I like the when he goes and gets his buddy in Thailand, and that's going to help him do the. the the mission to go in and save the POWs. Yeah. I, I like that guy. First of all, he was enough. He was old enough that you believe he was like a old veteran guy that was running his little scams on the side. Mm-hmm. And second of all, he was mildly funny, at least compared to everything else in this movie. Yeah, good old and then, Walsh. Yeah, and I just I enjoyed watching him. Just like every time that he's like, "Oh, I'm not going on this mission with you," and he's like, "Yeah, you are." And he's like, "God." damn it like i feel like i have to like i kind of enjoyed that element of his character and then every time he's like but i'm not getting off the boat and they get there and he's like i'm gonna have to get off the boat aren't i yep all right this is the whole time so i enjoyed that that's my one positive from this movie yeah um but my biggest negative is probably how little the stakes felt like didn't it i don't know i didn't count but didn't it seem like he rescued like three pow's at the end of this movie Honestly, did anybody keep track of how like, anybody keep track of how many I don't and again like I feel like maybe I'm underestimating the film and because of like our problems with scheduling it has been over a week since I watched it and but it felt like I'm like he he runs into that camp to like save them and there's just like a few cages that aren't even locked and he's like oh somebody's taken the people out of these cages and I'm like maybe they got out and walked away because it seems very easy to do so um, but then I'm like he saves like a couple of guys and I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Like, that doesn't seem like that's what the purpose of this was. <laughs> because one, in, But one life is worth it, Doug. In, in the remake of this, which is Rambo 2, um, when John Rambo goes in, like, he saves a relatively small number of people as well. But they make it a point to point out that, like, well, by bringing these ones home, he's forcing the U.S. government to go and get the rest of the guys. So he's really saving a whole bunch more people, but we just don't have the money for all of those guys to get saved in on screen and this it just it really feels like he's just there getting his like couple of buddies back like it's a very personal story to him he's not there trying to like expose anything or like refight the war he just it's just like like if he if he didn't get along with those guys during the war he wouldn't bother to go back and save them it's just because he's friends with them which is which is a weird way to do like a war movie where it's like i'm gonna go and save my buddies i almost feel like there was some more guys there and he's just like nah i didn't like, but what about those guys? And he's like, eh, don't worry about it. I don't even remember that guy's name, man. It's been a few years since the war. <laughs> Gotta save a guy if I don't remember his name. That's that's how it felt. I don't know. And again, like sometimes, like logistically, I'm like, maybe there was one line of dialogue that makes what I'm saying a little bit incorrect because I wasn't paying enough attention. But it felt it felt very low stakes. You know what I mean? Like. There was no like end of commando moment where like the rest of the military showed up to like bring him home and like what'd you leave for us only bodies like there's no moment like that at all it just feels like him and his buddies are just gonna go like have a beer and then it's gonna be like super awkward when those guys are in Thailand with no passports <laughs> yeah well and I don't know if it's a writer thing or a Chuck Norris thing or just the way he's generally portrayed in films he does the same thing that Steven Seagal does where they never show him like lose. You know what I mean? He never, he never gets beat up. He never gets hurt. He's always just on top of everything yeah. and just, he's better than everyone. Yeah, you're sports. right. And start with the fact that no compliment has ever started with, 
he does the same thing Steven Seagal does. That's never been intended <laughs> truth. <laughs> but um, no, you're right. Like it's it. You never get the feeling like maybe he won't save the guys. Like I don't even like like in in a decent action movie, you would be worried even though it's silly at the end, like you realize it was if objectively that it's silly to worry about the lead character dying. You still worry about it in the movie because they do a good job of portraying that. That's part of the roller coaster ride of like, you know, we're going to have this guy look like he's going to lose, but subconsciously we all know he's not going to, that's the fun of it. Right. And they don't do that at all with this. So you just, it's just him going through the motions rather than him going on an adventure. Should we talk about when he forces some woman to go to bed with him? <laughs> so I don't even want to. <laughs> so, well, it's actually not as bad, but it's still bad as I made it sound. But he basically goes into this woman who seems interested in him, but he uses her her interest to go into her room and then sneak out of the hotel. So none of the Vietnam uh, uh, guards will be on to him. And then they, they're like, oh, it's got to be him. He's out here causing shenanigans. So they chase him back. And then he climbs around the building for like 20 minutes because, God, this fucking movie. And he gets he back. He climbs in, that building in real time. <laughs> yeah. He gets back in her room and they're banging on the door thinking uh, like, oh, he's not going to be in there because he left. We're going to catch him. And he just grabs this woman's shirt and rips it open and then throws her on the bed. It jumps in bed, so when they bust in, he's like, what? We're in the middle of stuff. And I'm just like, holy shit, Like that is far from appropriate. Yeah, I didn't agree with his behavior in that moment. <laughs> and he had just murdered some people, and I was like, pretty okay with that. I'm like, you murder people, but it's a movie. I can yeah. look at that. And then he's like, I'm like, don't. <laughs> she yeah, seemed don't really shaken up by it, too, which is weird. For like an 80s canon, oh, yeah. you, see, you feel like she would just be like, oh, yeah, totally. He was here the whole time. But she seems kind of shaken up and has to, like, you know, compose you know, herself. There had to, there had to be that. a conversation where the, with the director where she's like, please don't don't make me touch his body hair. It's cool. so gross. <laughs> don't make me run my fingers through it. And he's sweating since he was just climbing this building. <laughs> so gross. Uh, he looks like he murdered a Wookiee and took its chest as a trophy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I hated this movie. Which makes me sad because I always thought like, oh, I bet those movies are a lot of fun. And it definitely does not make me want to check out the other movies, even though me and Doug watched 20 minutes of, of the third one by accident. <laughs> oh, I, I did not watch 20 minutes of it. Uh, I made it only about three or four. Well, I mean, I don't think I watched 20. I think I'm over embellishing, but... We thought we found it on YouTube in full. Yeah. So we started watching it separately. <laughs> Doug, Doug didn't tell me till afterwards not to watch that one. Um, yeah, I probably should have when I realized it was the wrong movie. I probably should have like messaged you guys or maybe like, <laughs> I don't know, taken it off the list of like to watch or <laughs> shared YouTube thing. But no, nah, it didn't occur yeah. to me to do that. So I started watching it and I'm just like. Man, they're going all in. The fact that he had a wife—I don't. This doesn't sound like the uh, the plot point from what I remember. <laughs> and then I realized, oh shit! I started reading through the descriptions of all three of them. I'm like, this is the third one. Well, if you were paying close enough attention, 
when they start a movie, oftentimes they'll put the title of the movie right near the beginning there, Brian. That's that's how I figured it out. Oh, see, I so. was looking. I was probably looking at my phone, like looking up some <laughs> so, some interesting facts about this movie, and then well, they, uh, completely, completely they missed made it. Three of these. Look at that. He <laughs> read on his phone while missing the <laughs> missing an action three logo on the screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, it was terrible. I do not think I'll be visiting the other two. I don't. I don't think I'm as negative on it as you are. I think all my complaints are the same, but I was less bothered by it. However, I also will not be revisiting the other ones. It's not like because <laughs> I had it in my head when we started watching this. I'm like, there's a bunch more random random movies and a bunch more uh, missing in action movies. There, there, there could be a whole thing here where like every year we revisit these franchises, and we will not be doing that. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> unless noah really wants to piss everybody off it's gonna team up the rambo movies with nightmare and elm street sequels or something so that it's more fun <laughs> i said we can do De- delta force is watchable oh no i i, I have to say like i i know i know chuck norris mainly through memes and I don't understand why those memes are there. Like the memes are all about how like badass he is, but I'm like, why do people think that? I don't like. We did that one movie with him, right? Him and Louis Gossett Jr. They're like treasure hunters or some shit. Yeah, like a made-for-TV movie or something. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think we hated that, but he was. It was more of an ensemble cast type scenario, right? Yeah, I think so. And I've seen that one. I don't know why the title isn't fresh in my mind. The one where he fights a zombie guy. Which again was like, fine. It's more of a slasher movie than a Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Like hell, something or another. Is that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty down on the missing yeah, action yeah. movies. So it has me worried. Yeah, like I've, kind been, of just a, I've been wanting to watch Invasion USA for a while, where the Russians invade the United States, and of course, Chuck Norris mm-hmm. is the one who starts fighting them. But now I'm worried. I want, see, I want to see that one's all right too. Yeah. See, I think I think it's been a real long time Noah since said, I've seen it, though. Like what you said earlier, Noah, about he never gets beat. I think that might just be enough where I'm like, then I don't want to watch any of these movies because I'm not going to be invested in any of them. Like, you know what I mean? Even even Schwarzenegger, who was like a giant bulking human being throughout the 80s, he always still sort of felt like he might lose that final fight to the guy that was a third his size and clearly couldn't win. But I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with with Chuck Norris. We'll just whatever uh, Chuck Norris movies we decide to watch. We'll just have to team them up with Seagal movies. Oh, that doesn't no, sound at all. This doesn't seem like <laughs> I, why. Why would we do that to ourselves? Uh, Firewalker was the movie that we did on this show. That was also a canon okay. movie. That was that was a fun one. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we just picked the wrong ones. Should have went Delta Force. It sounds like. I guess mm. now we're going to have to bring in a new rule where it's like no Chuck Norris movies ever on the podcast. So, <laughs> <sighs> well, are we done talking about missing in action? Yep. Skip it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's it's. I don't think it's as bad as we maybe made it sound, but I don't see why anyone would go through the effort of watching it either. Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of movies. Go watch a different one. Very boring. Well, Doug, uh, you teamed this up with a better movie. You want to tell us about First Blood? Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody's seen it, so I don't know how detailed our plot description needs to get, but. Sylvester Stallone is John Rambo. He is a Vietnam veteran turned drifter. He has just found out that he is the last surviving member of his his troop in Vietnam. And he's wandering aimlessly down the street and gets picked up by the cops because they just don't like the way he looks and they don't want him in their town. Uh, he pushes back very mildly against these cops who are chasing <laughs> him out of town for no reason. And they decide to arrest him. And being in the jail cell causes flashbacks to his Vietnam POW days. Uh, he ends up having a uh, going through a breakout and taking off. And the rest of the movie is it starts with them hunting him until he decides fuck this shit and decides to hunt them back um, and goes to war with this small town. And uh, plot wise, I mean, that's all that happens. There's a lot more going on in this movie, um, which I think we're going to get into why this is a better movie. Um, But that's I mean, that's your basic plot is he. They push him, he pushes back, all hell breaks loose. Well, it's funny. So so set aside the the interesting bits of of John Rambo's personality, which we only really get deep into at the very end of the movie about how fucked up he is from Vietnam and all that kind of stuff. And first blood is Moby Dick told from the perspective of a whale. (laughs) Yes. There's that's one, one hundred percent. Yeah. One of the really interesting things about this movie is, um, the sheriff played by Brian Dennehy and his character, he does it so well where it's like, there's moments where he's trying to be the good guy. There's moments where he's flat out the villain of the movie and there's times where he's like, he's he's confused over what he wants to do. There's that scene where he's talking to Troutman in the bar where he's talking about how like he wants to he wanted to kill Rambo and Troutman's like that doesn't sit really well with that badge and he's like he just stops and he doesn't respond and it's like you just get called out for being a piece of shit and you know it and you know what you're thinking is wrong. And you got mad at other guys who you believe killed Rambo, well, but you wanted to do it. And it's it's very it's complex in a way where it's like, I, and I don't think the movie provides you with well, an yeah, answer. I mean, like they kind of they kind of go like, yeah, like he, he it, at one point when he says like, I'm the law, and if if you know if somebody's doing something wrong, we handle it through official channels. And you're like, yeah, I agree with all that. And then also. I'm going to hunt this guy down and kill him because he beat up my deputies who were. And I'm like, no, no, no. You just said you're a law and order guy. You can't also be the I'm going to hunt him until I kill him guy. And those two things are contradictory. But that's what makes for an interesting character. Yeah, there's well, there's a lot of moments. They they spend two thirds of the moment with him. He keeps bringing up that cop that died over and over and over and be like, he killed him. And it's like, no, he didn't. He didn't kill him. He was a stupid douchebag hanging out of a helicopter with a fucking rifle trying to murder a guy. And he fell because he was a fucking idiot. Well, and I mean, yes, Rambo threw a rock and hit the window or whatever. And yeah, but but still the guy was hanging out a helicopter 
with one hand holding a rifle. That's why he died, yeah. you know, and everybody and, knows and, that. And he'd been they make sure that the audience because they want the they want the audience to be on Rambo's side. They make sure that we all know that he's been warned that it's not a safe situation. We make sure we know that he was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing and doing it in an unsafe way. And then he gets killed. And then there, it becomes a revenge story for, um, for the sheriff. And it's like, well, that's you're, you're just, you're just out for revenge, not justice at that point. And those are different things, right? Yeah. He, he definitely goes through an escalation period. Because he doesn't start off terrible. I mean, yes, he is, he is a fucking jerk and tries to, you know, yes. take him out of town and be like, just go on your way and arrest him when he doesn't really need to. Like, he could have just left the situation alone. It would have remedied itself. It wouldn't have been a problem. So, yes, he yeah. is a horrible person and whatever. But then when he gets to the police station, it's like everybody else that's the problem. And, yes, he's the sheriff, so it is his well, problem. Well, what's the old saying that the uh, a fish rots from the head down or something totally, like that? Totally. Yeah. But I mean, he technically doesn't seem to really do anything and has no interest in like torturing the shit out of him. But he's also not paying attention so that everybody else is allowed to do that shit. Right. But, but then, like you said, when that cop dies, he seems to just completely flip the other way. And it's just like, fuck it, let's kill this guy. Fuck him. Whatever. Yep. So it it's an interesting look at it, especially, like I said, when, you know, all he does is arrest him, which he doesn't need to do is still a shitty move. But then, like, everybody else is, like, hitting him with batons and blasting him with the fire hose and just being shitty. Yeah. And, then, and then he comes in. He's like, what's this guy's problem? And it's like, well, Jesus Christ, if you were hanging out at your own police station, you'd understand. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, I was good. The par- the parallels to Moby Dick are uh, thick, real thick. And I don't yeah, yeah. I don't know how much of it's on purpose, I, but it almost has to be. Is one of those captain yeah. goes after uh, quote fingers whale whale hurts captain captain loses mind and leads everyone he cares about to their ultimate death <laughs> trying to. Yeah. Get revenge, essentially. Yeah. No, but I think that's an iconic story that, you know, even if you're, like, there's probably older versions of that story than just Moby Dick. Even though Moby Dick is the most well-known one, I think it's a, a classic tale that we um, we kind of you see that archetype of that story showing up over and over again in culture. And this is you're right. This one is another example of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's there. This movie's great in in a bunch of ways. I I I don't. You know, it's. I'm not going to put it in the same category with like the best movies of all time. You know what I mean? Like uh, in ET or a RoboCop. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like those next level films. But this is on top of the pile of things that aren't necessarily the best movie of all time that are great movies. Well, I feel like See, this, I, is not, this is not a movie you watch for a good time, which is weird because I think most people, if they hear the word Rambo, they think, oh, super hyper violence and, you know, over the top craziness. And then sometimes you have to remind people, you're like, no, that first movie didn't start off that way. First one was a pretty good drama okay. about PTSD and 
the Vietnam War and stuff. But yeah. then it, you know, escalates into this super crazy franchise afterwards. Well, I'm going to push back on both of you because I do think this belongs in the discussion of best movies of all time. Right. And I also think well like the reason i think that is because i think it works as an action movie as well as as a drama as well as as a character study i think it works on those different levels which you know for me that's a big thing i think if a movie can work on different levels that's when it's great um the action sequences in this movie are fantastic like maybe they're not as big as some of the ones in the sequels but you've got that guy jumping off that cliff You've got the gas station blowing up. You've got a number of like really, really good action sequences. Um, you've got the sequence with him going through the mine, which isn't really an action sequence per se, but it's an action movie sequence <laughs> for <laughs> lack of a better term, which is like really tense and like claustrophobic. Like they do a really good job of executing the action movie elements of this film. I think the, the flashbacks to Vietnam, like we complained about the ones in the last movie in this movie, they do an excellent job of like, making it horrific in a way that gets you on board with this character. It helps you to understand the the PTSD element of the movie, but it also just makes you sympathetic to this guy because you're going to need to be later in the movie when he's acting like a psychopath. So I think they do a really good job with all those different elements of the movie. And I, I, I mean, I've, I loved this movie when I was a little kid, when it came out, I still love it to this day. There's never been a period of my life where I haven't regularly watched this movie. And that's kind of fascinating. Like, not a lot of movies are like that, you know. Yeah, I was the weird part about this movie is I I know most people like the end of the movie the most, and for me, it falls off about the time that he gets stuck in the mine. I really mm-hmm. like the him out in the woods and then, you know what yeah. I mean. I don't. There's something about the slow plotting and then sudden violence that I like, but then after the mine, it's you know him with the giant machine gun blowing up gas stations and yeah, <laughs> yeah i think no, it, my favorite it, my it, favorite part of the movie cranks is always, it up for the final act yeah i was gonna say my my favorite part of the movie's always been that first time so i can't I, I i think it's after the cop the first cop dies but i can't remember where they're all out in the woods kind of hunting them and all of a sudden they start coming across the booby traps and get yeah. all fucked up and then there's that moment where he kind of comes out of nowhere and grabs that captain and has the knife. And he goes, you know, I could have killed all of you. I could have killed you. I could have killed you right now. Fucking stop it. You know what I mean? Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he kind of goes back off into the wood. And then those cops are like, no, we're going to get this son of a bitch. And it's like, well, no, you guys deserve it now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that whole sequence is it's so tense that all, all those traps work so well as like movie traps. Like the, the one that like sticks the guy in his legs is like amazing. And you're just like, Oh, they should just do that in every movie. And the fact that like they've set up this character where you fully believe that he could just pull all this stuff off in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole, the whole, the whole sequence is really good. And then that ending, like, like I just, I, when he's got that, knife up to that guy's neck and it's like i every time i watch the movie i kind of think you might kill him even though i obviously know how the rest of the movie plays out i've seen it a hundred times but it's like it's it's really well executed and i think it's performances from both the actors which are key i really like when uh brian denny's character like 
when Rambo lets him go and he like falls down and starts crying and he's got those big oversized mitts and he puts them over his face and you're just like, the guy's just completely broken at that point. Like, you know what I mean? And so then a few minutes later when we've got him at like the base camp and he's trying to like take control of everything and be like that guy again, what we've just seen this very vulnerable, broken side of that character. I think it, it informs the way the rest of the movie is going to play out where he's never quite sure of himself again after that moment. Cause the beginning of the movie, when he first starts harassing Rambo, one of the interesting things about him is his confidence in his belief of how right he is. Like he, you know what I mean? Yeah. He gives that little speech about how I get paid to keep this town boring and he drive Rambo. And when he, I, I feel like when he lets Rambo out of the car at the edge of town and says, oh, there's a diner 30 miles up or whatever, like you can walk 30 miles before you get something to eat, right? That's not a problem. I'm not doing anything wrong by asking that of you. And it's like he genuinely believes he's the hero of this story. He's the good guy at that moment. And I think towards the end is when he realizes he isn't. And that's what's interesting about that character. And that's sort of the breaking moment is when he's got that knife to his throat and knows he's lost and he knows he's, he's been hunting this maniac murderer and now he knows the only reason he's alive is because that maniac let him live. Yeah. It's really good. There is one weird moment in this film that somebody needs to explain to me that I don't quite understand. Mm. When he first sees Rambo, he says something about, you've got a lot of guts wearing that flag. Mm-hmm. Is it something specific about that particular logo of the American flag that he's supposed to be? Is it, is it a Vietnam he, thing that I don't quite understand? I I think what he says is wearing that jacket and that flag and looking the way you do. So I think it's an overall thing, right? It's an overall like you're wearing an American flag in this like little hick town. But it's not prim and proper and clean. You're not flying it as a sign of respect. You know, you're all you're a dirty, grungy hippie wearing an American flag, I think, is the problem. Does that make sense? I was going to say that makes more sense than anything, because I've always, I've seen this movie, you know, 20 times or whatever. And every time he's like, you get a lot of guts wearing that flag. And I was like, you're a cop. You've got the you've got a fucking American flag on your sleeve. Yeah. But but he's a prim proper cop with his shirt tucked in and his proper uniform on. And that's I mean, for me, that's always where this movie has grabbed me and where I've always immediately identified with the Rambo character is like. It it's really just they don't like the way he looks. He's he's a dirty hippie and they don't like that. So get the fuck out of our town. And that's where I think he immediately becomes sympathetic to me because that's something probably a lot of us can relate to is like just somebody judging you based on nothing other than your appearance, treating you like you've done something wrong when you haven't done anything at all, you know? And that's, I I think it all comes down to had, had he taken a shower before wandering into town? You know, if he'd asked his buddy's wife, can I have a shower at your house now that I'm came here to see him and he's dead? Um, none of this would have happened. Well, also if he just would have let him, go through the town for like 12 hours it would have ended up fucking better if you guys he would have found somewhere to eat mm. have you you guys ever seen uh i think it was called hunted the The, the Lee jones one yeah tommy lee jones and benicio del toro that's basically a remake of first blood Mm, i have not no 
I suddenly want to. I remember wanting to see it at the time and just forgetting about it until now. It's all, it's all right. It's not as good. But that's because they kind of take part of the, uh, I, I don't know, so, something about the, the level of stress and mania that the Rambo character has is kind of lost in that film. In which, like, and don't get me wrong, because Benicio Del Toro is a great fucking actor, so he, it's not like he doesn't deliver, but it ends up being more like the the guy who trained him versus him out in the woods, you know? Yeah. Which isn't really what First Blood was. No. Because that's the other interesting thing about this movie is when Troutman shows up, and it's like... <laughs> It works on an action movie level of they're just like, here's this guy that the federal government sent down to this small town. And he's just like there to warn them that, like, if you guys push your luck, you're all going to (laughs) die. And it's like it really works on an action movie level of like, oh, so the whole U.S. government is worried about what Rambo can do. I guess I should be, too. (laughs) Like, it's I know I know we've already seen him, like, kill a pig, but look what else he could do apparently well i mean i love his recommendation in the movie because you kind of go oh well that makes a whole lot of sense wait a minute i think cops might not be good in general (laughs) because he says (laughs) they're like what do you want us to do just let him go and he's like yeah and he goes you just you just let him go and you put out a warrant for him and in two or three weeks he wanders into some random diner two towns over and he gets arrested the end he goes end of story like (laughs) and they're like no we have to go into the woods and hunt him like an animal and it's like i don't know do you listen listen noah that is why (laughs) this movie taught our society a lesson about how police's primary role should be to de-escalate and not make things worse even if it means letting somebody get away but if it saves lives the best thing to do is just de-escalate the situation and we've learned that lesson and we've moved on from that and it's no longer a problem you know what the worst thing is 100 percent 100 percent American cops watch this movie and root for those cops the whole fucking time. Probably. No comment. <laughs> you can comment. You don't even fucking live here. I mean, yes, you're right. There is, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a percentage of police who think it's okay to fire a rocket launcher at a mine over a guy that was accused of vagrancy. Um, <laughs> Even knowing full well, because of the, at that point in the movie, worth pointing out that like everyone knows he's this war hero who's been to hell and back. Everyone knows, like um, Brian Den, he even says it. He's like, "Oh, one of your machines blew a gasket." No, like he knows this guy's fucked up. He knows that this guy's trained to kill, and that there's something wrong with him mentally that has caused him to go into this mode. And they don't give a shit. They don't do anything. They don't change their tactics at all when they realize they're dealing with an insane person who's fully capable of waging a war against them. And it's like, why would you approach that the same way you would approach a common criminal who was just running away? Like, yeah. of course you need to change your tactics. And, yeah. you know. It literally imagine. could have been could have been as easy as him going out into the woods and when Rambo shows up, just being like, look, obviously we went overboard. So maybe we should just stop all this. Let's sit down and talk for a couple minutes. Like it could have easily just like de-escalated, but yeah, like you said, instead it's get out the bazooka. He's going into the mine. 
Right. The cops, the cops well, always again, remind me of the, the quote of, I can't, I can't remember who said it, but he basically said anyone that's capable of being made president under no term should be allowed to do so. And I feel like yeah. that's the same thing with cops. Anybody who wants to be a cop should not be allowed to be a cop. There's an element of truth to that. Um, I was going to bring up about Trapman earlier. I do like you were talking about how they, he comes in and is like, well, Rambo's going to do all this. And then he does it. I do like how uh, he's basically is, comes in as like the I told you so guy. Yeah. Like they always lay out their plan, what they're going to do. And he's like, ah, I don't know if I'd go with that. That doesn't sound like a good idea. And they're like, look, we know what we're doing. And then he's like, all right, all right. And then they go through with it, and of course it goes horribly. And then he's like, see, I told you, I should have done that. <laughs> he's kind of a dick. Um, I really like his performance in the scene where he sits and has the uh, has the drink in that like very 1980s bar that they go to partway mm-hmm. through the movie. And there's something about his performance where it's just like, you can see in his face that that character knows damn well that Rambo's alive and he oh, yeah. is he's and, and they, they mention it later in the movie but it's like yeah he didn't leave because he knows his job's not done because Rambo's still out there <laughs> and he just lets Brian Dennehy's character just rant about it and he's like yeah okay because again at this point he's such an arrogant prick that he's just like you can think what you want and then later I'll come in and tell you I told you so because there's really no point in me trying to correct you anymore hmm yeah. Where's the bazooka? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a whole thing there too. Like, there's some sort of social commentary there that I think I'm not capable of understanding because I'm not American. But this idea that like people who work at drugstores get called in when there's a criminal on the loose and are handed a bazooka and sent into the woods. There's <laughs> that seems like a uniquely American problem. I don't like. Uh, yeah, there was. That was the, were they even the reserves? Was it even that high up? I don't I, remember. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the guard or the reserves. Cause that one yeah. guy said, you know, I only do this on the weekends or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. So there is a thing where you can sign up for the reserves, which is basically going, in, going into the military without having to actually go into the military. You go for like one weekend a month and then you're on call. And then if some crazy shit went down, yeah, it's, um, what, what is it? Yeah, it's two, I think it's two weekends a month and then two weeks a year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So there I, is. I, some, I know that that's accurate. Yeah. I, was just saying, I know that's accurate because of a night court joke that I still have stuck in my head from the 80s. So. It is, somebody says two weekends, two weekends, one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer. And Bull Shannon says, just like going to the bathroom. And I remember <laughs> thinking that was very funny when I was a kid. I feel obligated to bring it up. I love night court. Uh, it is possible since they are claiming that that town is so small and tiny, even though they have like a Burger King and stuff. Um, <laughs> so we get a nice w- we get a nice wide shot of the the main street going through town, and there's so many fast food restaurants. I grew up in a town that didn't even have a McDonald's, so I don't think of it, places that have fast food as like small it, towns. 
it was not it was not my town, but somebody I went to high school with that I was friends with moved to another small town here in Illinois. And that town not only did not have a cop, like the only cop they had was only in town for I think it was two hours on Friday and Saturdays from nine to eleven. Like it was the weirdest because you you knew you'd be like, so if we threw a party, we had to wait for eleven o'clock because you had to wait for the cop to leave town. <laughs> So that you knew you couldn't get in trouble. Yeah. So I guess it could be plausible that their reserves in the area is just the bunch of goofy guys, like you said, working at the the pharmacy. Um, it's yeah. It's just it's very weird to me because there's like the break the, the the regular town cops, which it seems like there's like five to ten police officers in this, which seems right for the size of town. And then there's the state police. And then they still bring in military guys. And it's like, I mean, I guess if you're one of the hires up making that decision, you're getting the reports from these cops about how he's murdered a police officer. And that's where you're. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had a point to make. I completely forgot what it was. That one. Uh, so it sounds like we're all fans of this movie. I yeah, 100% I am. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you don't, if you don't think, think it's, it's a good movie, there's something fucking wrong with you. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're correct. However, um, I, I'm no. just I'm trying to think if there is anything negative I have to say about the movie, and I, I really have nothing. It, I think the performances I, are excellent. The character drama is good. The action is good. I I've, every time I watch this movie, I try to like figure out how they filmed that guy jumping off that mountain and falling through the trees. And I'm like, okay, you can kind of see when he jumps off the mountain that he turns and you're like, okay, there's like a crash mat type situation that he's jumping into. But then I'm like, I don't understand how they film somebody falling through that tree without just dropping a dude through a tree. Because it's not like a dummy. (laughs) It looks like it hurts. I don't understand it. I don't know. The only negative thing I can think of is that it doesn't. And this isn't a huge negative, but it doesn't have a very uh, accessible plot structure to it. No. It just kind of it's just like a series of things happen and they escalate <laughs> like it's just well, it, which, 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 and once again, that. which it, is fine. It's a good movie that doesn't you don't necessarily have to follow the plot structure, but it I don't know. It makes it less accessible to a normie film watcher, if that makes sense. I, don't know, I, I feel like everything is a natural escalation on what came before it throughout the movie, right? So you set up your conflict in your first act, and then you kind of progress it in your second act, and the third act is when all hell breaks loose. Pretty standard for an action movie. Can we, what do you guys can think we make, of the end? Can we make because... Rambo fit the hero's journey? Is that possible? <laughs> he did. Does he does he ever visit an oracle? I don't recall an oracle. I'd, that'd be Troutman, I would think, right? Or that uh, that one soldier's wife. Where she's just like, yeah, your journey true. your journey has been fruitless because the person you seek is dead. Oh, yeah. you know what? Maybe, and he has the talisman, which is his uh, his combat knife. Mm-hmm. Which does either one of you have one of those fucking knives? Yep. Uh, uh, I, I, I never had one, but I knew 
uh, a million other people who did because they saw fucking Rambo and they wanted the Rambo yeah. knife. Yeah, I yeah. Like I, I had one, and I'd like when I went camping, I'd like hang it off my belt, and I'd think, oh, I'm gonna need this so much when I'm out in the woods. <laughs> my, my God, it's got a compass and some string in the handle. There's never some anything water, in the handle. waterproof matches. Yeah. Oh yeah, my dad bought me. I had one when I was ten. I can't imagine handing a Rambo knife to a ten-year-old nowadays. It was. But my dad was like, "Yeah, you and your stepbrother. Yeah, you can all have one. No problem." Sure. It was the '80s, man. (laughs) Nothing you could do. Uh, That little compass that I never used for anything. Cool. Compasses never made sense to me. Like, I'd always use a compass when I was a kid. Everyone would give me compasses. I had so many of them over the years, and you'd get it. You're like, "That way's north." But if you don't know the direction you're supposed to be going, how does it help you to know which way's north? As a child, like if you're lost in the woods, you don't go, oh, we parked the car due south of here. So if I find out where north is, then I can walk there. I still don't know what you're supposed to do with the information. Okay, that way's north. That was east, west, south. Okay, I've got it. But unless you know which direction you're supposed to go, what's the point? (laughs) Anyways, on the movie Uh, front, I'm curious what you guys think of the ending. Because famously in the book... mm. Rambo is shot at the end, and in the movie they have him live. Yeah. I'm wondering what you guys think of that change. Have either of you ever read the book? I have not, but I've heard that the author is not a fan of the movie. I'm sure he enjoys all the money that he's probably made from that yeah. franchise. Yeah, and he wrote it. He wrote a sequel. <laughs> he, yeah. wrote, he wrote. He wrote. He wrote like Rambo two, and it in the opening of Rambo two, there's like a passage that says, "Look, I'm, I know the guy died in the first book, but." They made a movie about it, and I want to write a book, so I'm just going to. It's like it's. it's I know, I know it's bleak, but I almost think it would be a better movie if he just shoots himself at the end. Mm. So you're saying take himself out? Interesting. Yeah, See, like I find, just, I find the just fact refused of them, to be taken. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's another. That's one way to go. The idea in the book is that they shoot him anyway, even though he's turned himself in. And it is sort of like it's the culmination of the of the battle of like who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, and then they're clearly just murderous at that point, right? Because mm. you can imagine like picture it in the movie when him and Troutman come walking out and he's got that co- that coat over him and stuff and he's just defeated. What if somebody shot him at that point? It's like there's no there's no justification whatsoever for it. She mentioned uh, one of the police officers is a baby, uh, David Caruso, yep. who by okay, the way more by, like Conan O'Brien than you're supposed to. <laughs> I was going <laughs> <laughs> uh, to say, even as I say, baby, David Caruso, he still looks like he was 50. I'm sure he was probably born 50. Yeah, he's never changed. But the Conan thing is a uh, <laughs> pretty Because he's got the hair like Conan's hair in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. Um, yeah. Somebody somebody posted on Facebook last week that they had watched it, like outside of even knowing that I do a podcast. And uh, so we were both talking about the aspect that like because he his wife watched it with him for the first time. And it was that same thing that like I had when me and my wife first started dating and I was showing her movies and stuff. And I'm like. Oh, we should. You ever seen First Blood? We should watch First Blood. And she's like, "Oh, Rambo, no." And I'm like, "Well, have you ever seen it?" And she's like, "No." And I'm like, "I bet you're thinking of like Rambo two, Rambo three. 
because if you yeah. actually watch it, it's actually like a good like like I said, kind of a drama about PTSD of the Vietnam War and stuff. So then we watched it, and she's like, "Oh my god, that was so much better than I thought it was going to be." Yeah. I'm real spotty on the Rambo series. I think the first one's a good movie, and then I think what? I think it's four is a good movie. I enjoyed that one, <laughs> and 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 the rest of them are fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I don't even know if I think four is a good movie or if it's just also in the category of fun to watch. They're all fun to watch. They go into that canon films, like how much stuff can we blow up today thing. Like, and yeah. Yeah. They, three especially is the one where they're like, what if Rambo goes to Afghanistan and fights the Russians there? And it's like, really? How are you justifying this exactly? <laughs> and then they're like really humanizing Osama bin Laden and his friends in that movie, which might have been a mistake in retrospect. <laughs> hold, hold on, guys. Hear me out. Exploding arrows. Oh, <laughs> uh, part two when he does the like they're in helicopters shooting at each other at some point even though he went in there to take pictures with a camera and uh <laughs> he's he does the like he's pretending to die thing but he pretends to be dead in a helicopter but the helicopter continues to hover which means he can't be dead because if he took his hands off the control it would crash the rest of the way down <laughs> and you're like, it's the dumbest thing ever, but it's super fun. God. If anything, I'm just happy for those sequels because we got that awesome uh, daydreaming scene in UHF where Weird Al pretends he's Rambo and just blows <laughs> everything up. Fair enough. How is UHF not on this? Uh, we need to watch this podcast. Uh, we do. I held a uh, double feature once at my house. We did crazy TV stations. So we did Amazon Women on the Moon and uh, UHF. Right, well, did you just pick the movies for next week without even telling us, Brian? Sure, I guess so. Doesn't it, it takes zero pressure to get me to watch UHF? <laughs> yes. I was it's just been a while. Since a lot I of saw a it. lot of people don't know this, but turtles are nature's suction cup. <laughs> Look, it sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I was at dinner. I was at dinner with someone last night, and they were mentioning this place called Fun City, that apparently is in Illinois. And I don't know. It's like a casino, and then there's Davenport. like, oh, it's in Davenport. Yeah. All right, so it's up in Davenport, Iowa. But apparently, it's like a casino, and then there's like go karts and shit. But they were talking about how their kids kept seeing like this advertisement for Fun City, and in my head, I'm just going. Yeah, but it's probably not as fun as Spatula City. Spatula City. <laughs> so the, the Spatula City commercial just went over and over in my head the whole t- the conversation. Spe- speaking of Weird Al, <laughs> That's my, fun. Uh, my beautiful, lovely wife bought me a early birthday present, and I'm going to see Weird Al in May. Nice. Uh, just realize, realize that'll be postponed, because that's your luck for everything. 100%. Did you guys uh, see they've announced a Weird Al biopic as part of our discussion of First Blood? I am so unhappy about it. Really? Listen, Al's happy, so I'm happy. There's no way for them to make that movie and make it honest. There just isn't. They can't. They can't fucking no. do it. Imagine the the fucking drama they made up for the Queen movie, and <laughs> Weird Al has even less drama than. Oh, that. I know. 
He did it. He did but it I don't think it's a, I think it's just a straight up. I think I think it's a straight up comedy film that they're making about Weird Al. I don't think it's meant to be a dramatic, realistic portrayal of his life. He did it behind the music once, and he it opens with him saying, "Look, I never did any drugs. I never slept around. This is going to be really boring." <laughs> the guy plays the fucking accordion for a living. <laughs> what, what drama is there in his life? Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like his his big break was sending in silly songs to the Doctor Demento show. Like. <laughs> Who do you think is going to play Coolio in the movie when they have their big feud over Amish Paradise and uh, Gangster's Paradise? I don't know, but I'm I watching did. the Amish Paradise video later. <laughs> I didn't realize. So we were. I, I just found it on one of the random streaming services I have. Apparently, there was a Weird Al TV show that I was unaware mm-hmm. of. Al TV. See, not Al TV. Think about watching it. Yeah. There's the Weird There's Al multiple show. Multiple Weird Al TV shows. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, it was like the Weird Al show. Okay, so it was the it was the Pee Wee's Playhouse esque yeah. show that he had for like a season. Yeah, right. That one, which for some reason I don't know how I've gone my entire life and not known that it, that was a thing, mm-hmm. but I'm so excited that I get to watch it now. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is a conversation for next week, but I'm just, I don't understand how he has not made more movies. Well, UHF fucking bombed. That that might be part of the problem. I don't fucking care. I love that movie. I want more of it. I feel feel like it's a choice. I feel like it probably wasn't as much fun as it looks to us to make that movie. And it's somebody who's used to putting on concerts and all of a sudden it's spending months on one little project Mm. and then not making a ton of money off of it. Uh, that's what I think the problem is. So as we said, make sure to watch UHF in response to the Rambo scene so we can tie into this week's episode. Yes. <laughs> if you're interested in First Blood, definitely watch UHF. Definitely a market for both of those movies. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Now, the last one we recorded... No, because uh, by the time uh, I was getting around to it, my last week, uh, outside of the other reasons we had to cancel, it just seemed like everything was not cooperating at all. So when we decided, fuck it, we'll just basically skip this week, I basically in my head just said, fuck it, don't edit the episode. And I was like, all right. So then my logic became, well, we're doing one Monday. So when we're done, I'll edit the new one, put it up, and then edit this one, and it'll be ready to go. So then it's preemptively ready to post. Make perfect sense? No, I stopped listening because I got an email about my house being built. Oh, um, now I'm, <laughs> Did you record that and just include it in the show? So when I listen to this week's show, I'll get the answer to the question, and hopefully it'll be... Well, now, uh, what everybody watched since last week? A couple things. Uh, so, first of all, I finally watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. 
first one? Yeah. I, I yeah. haven't watched any of them just because I, I don't know, which is weird because I really like the Harry Potter stuff. It's just whenever that mm. one kind of got made, I was like, I don't give a fuck. I actually enjoyed this one much more than the Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. Uh, the first one was pretty fun. Although I'm kind of interested to see where they go from here, because as I understand, the first one was successful, but not as successful as they wanted. So they decided to follow it up. They were going to cram Dumbledore in it just as hard as they fucking could to get people to go see it. <laughs> Talk about the oh the the second one. Yeah, the second one. So yeah, I heard the other way. I heard the first one was really successful. Personally, I think the second one's horrible. And I think it, a lot of people felt that way. And that's why they didn't. They worked on the next movie for a longer time. The one that's scary to come out because yeah. it did horribly, apparently. And then it, in it, Grindelwald's in it again, right? But they're switching the actor. Oh, yeah. Johnny Depp's out. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is in. Which I never look at Mads Mikkelsen as a downgrade. So I can't complain. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, although I wasn't super upset with Johnny Depp uh, in the little bit that he's in there just because he's not playing a fucking silly character, mm-hmm. which that's enough to make me fucking happy because I don't. I just don't get it. I don't I don't get what the fuck his thing is. <laughs> <laughs> he he played a silly character and made a bunch of money, and he was like, hmm, I should just be a goofy piece of shit and everything. Yeah. Well, apparently for this new one, they he actually started filming it, and then the Amber Heard thing is just reaching a fever point, and they're like, you know what? Uh, Maybe, maybe not going to cheat the rest of this movie with you. Yeah. But apparently he had a pay-or-play deal, so he still gets paid for it. That's funny. So. Uh, yeah, so what's it? So it was all right. It was fun. I, I, I liked it. Don't know if I liked it as much as the the mainline stuff, but that's fine. I've seen all the original movies once, exactly once. Because Randy was really into it, I never was, but I was like, eh, I'd watch them. So we watched all of them. I want to say like the first. Well, I watched the first four, like leading up to the new one coming out in theaters. And then I went and saw them in the theaters. Like, after they're, that, but. they're good. I, the only complaint I had about the original movies was after reading the books, I would kind of hit the point of. They really chicken the fuck out in some of the later movies. To deal with, you know, because is as she kind of went along writing them. She put in some more. Adult orientated. Mm-hmm. things into the books like there's a there's a whole bunch of those books that's about the slavery that basically <laughs> house elves are under and and how now it's so ingrained into society that like the house elves are even all fucked up and can't even comprehend not being slaves anymore and all you know it's it, and dobby's got a really big part and all that and in the movies they like started to go after it and then they were like nah we're gonna cut all this out <laughs> maybe maybe not talk about slavery just avoid that i don't know why hmm, i wonder if there's a certain section of audience that might be offended and not watch the movie hmm who is that I have no idea what you're talking about. Rednecks. Rednecks would be like, oh, no, I know. Oh, they made them black people. Oh, 
I, I know what you're talking about, but Damn. saying I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So moving on. So it was fine. And then I was going to watch uh, one of the Conan movies. Mm-hmm. And and then at the last minute, took a swerve and watched Red Sonia. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I was like, you know what? I always rewatch the two Conan movies, but I don't think I've rewatched this in a long time. Let's check it out. And it's all right. It's not as good as the Conan movies. Mm-hmm. And man, Brigitte Nelson, even back then, was not a good actress. No. Still makes for a fun movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> the fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Conan, not Conan. Yeah. That movie is one of the just the funniest <laughs> fucking things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like, hey, why? Why? Why didn't they just say it was Conan? Playing Phonan? Yeah, it's really weird. Well, it was a rights thing. I think it was two different studios or some. Yeah. Shit. Well, because she was, if I remember right, Sonya was originally a comic book character. She didn't. She didn't come from the uh, the books. Something uh, sounds right. I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was it was real fun. I like I said, I just think uh, the the Conan stuff's probably better. I'm still torn over which Conan movie I like more. I like the first one more. The Destroyer. Yeah. Him Destroyer, biting, that, I f- him I biting feels, that vulture is pretty great. It is pretty great. I feel like the second one gets a little goofier, which is fine sometimes. But like my friend was over. We went on a Schwarzenegger marathon one weekend for really no reason. But. He had just never seen a bunch of this stuff. So, of course, I showed him Commando. And I'm like, if you think of 80s action movies, like, this is what you conjure up in your head. Like, everything you're going to think about is in this movie. And then we watched it. And he's like, this is the best movie ever. And I'm like, agreed. So we kept going because he'd never seen The Running Man. Never seen the Conan movies. And I think we ended up with Red Sonja. I think we did the triple feature. So... Yeah, and I feel like Man, watching eighties eighties Arnie movies are so great. I feel like watching the two back to back. It was like, oh yeah, they were going for high action, like a little bit more serious, and then this one's a little goofier. That's fine. Yeah, it's it, but I feel like it's not as good as Conan the Barbarian. Like even when his movies started getting shitty, they were still great. Like <laughs> fucking Kindergarten Cop, <laughs> Kindergarten Cop's fucking great. <laughs> I still love Last Action Hero. I don't understand why that movie was a bomb. His people are wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, can't, go ahead. I should say you can't judge movies on box office. It's just not how it works. People are weird though. Mm-hmm. I should just to piss you guys off. I should say I'm not a fan of the Conan movies. Nah, that's fine. It's, I just I find the first one way too slow. For an action movie, and I just it has great moments in it, but there's but way not, too much just but it's not an action movie, it's a sword and sandal movie. All right. Well, a sword and sandal movie shouldn't take itself so seriously then. That's my revised complaint. Either way, I don't like it. <laughs> um I prefer the second one because it is goofier and just easier to just kind of sit and watch and not think too much about, but still probably wouldn't choose to watch it, especially not compared to everything else that Arnold did in the 80s. Mm. 
Uh, so besides all that, I'm I'm still deep into my Star Trek rewatch. <laughs> Months, I'm about halfway through season five of Next Generation, so I got like a season and a half to go here. Uh, and like I said on Facebook, I think I've slowly come to the realization that despite the fact that I really liked Riker whenever I was a kid, now that I'm rewatching it, I'm like, that dude put his dick in everything and caused so many fucking problems over the course of that series. If the Federation was a real thing, he would get thrown out on his ass. I mean, he literally just about starts wars five or six times a season from putting his dick in somebody. Yeah, but if Kirk Kirk didn't get in trouble for it, then the precedent's been set. Yeah, but Kirk wasn't starting wars with that dick. Mm. Riker, every time the episode's always the same, they're like, oh, here's this person. Don't have sex with her. And Riker's like, I'm going to fuck that. Balls, balls deep, Riker style. I feel like that's not how it went. 100%. Exactly. Well, maybe I, to be fair, you're the one rewatching it, not me. So I uh, just, there's a lot it, it. You barely go three episodes without Riker fucking another person. It's it's just fucking crazy. But yeah, besides that, uh, I watched the Boba Fett's and the Peacemakers, and I'm sh- certain we'll talk about that at the end. So. Yeah. I guess Doug's not on the Peacemaker train. I, I don't get on that Peacemaker train. I think it's just because uh, he's I'm not on HBO it. Max. That's part of it. I'd have to sign up for another streaming service, but I don't. I again, I haven't seen the movie, so mm, yeah. I'm not going to watch the spinoff series from the movie that I didn't see. So, Peacemaker Train, and you should see that movie. Yeah. yeah, you keep telling me that, but I feel like the movie's okay. Yeah, uh, I was a little disappointed because it was James Gunn, and I was really excited for it. Um, I think that's part of why I haven't seen it is like when you were let down by it, I'm like, well, I was not nearly as excited as you. So take what, take what you said and drop it down. Like the difference between how excited we were like, that's down to a not recommend for me. So I assume I wouldn't like it. See, but I like, I'm kind of in that same camp, but it's not, it's not that I didn't like it. And it wasn't a good movie. It was that James Gunn performs at such a high level that since it wasn't this perfect, awesome, amazing Uber level movie that it's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still a great movie. It's just, it's not fair. You're comparing it. it, You involuntarily have to compare it to the rest of his body of work, which diminishes it. That's on the, on the other hand, that's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, the fucking peacemaker series, I, I cannot express to you how fucking delightful it is. <laughs> Which I also agree with. For, for for thinking the movie was just okay, the fucking Peacemaker series is pretty fantastic. Oh my god. The, if, the, if for nothing else, John Cena is just amazing in this series. Jesus. I mean, just the balls. The balls they have on them. To, to fucking white dragon is a fucking main character in that goddamn show. It's like, what the fuck? Really? You're going to put white dragon on fucking screen? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So for anybody, if you're on the fence, definitely watch Peacemaker. It's definitely worth it. Oh, oh it's so it's so good. And I don't want to spoil it for people either, which sucks. 
but it's no. great. Vigil- no. Vigilante's fucking great. Mm. And and it kind of it builds on you. So the first episode is all just you're like, oh, this is going to be super fucking silly. And then the by the time you get into like the second and third episode, you're like, OK, well, it's silly, but it's also like hyper violent and it's going to have good action stuff in it. And then like this week's episode, you're like, oh, my God, they're actually going to make me care about these fucking psychos. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth a shot, Doug. It's worth it's worth the movie watch and then the series watch whenever you get around to it. Your eagle yeah, is probably. named Eagly. <laughs> <laughs> John Cena says some of the most ridiculous shit ever, but when he explains why he thinks that way, you're kind of like, all right, I guess I can understand it. Oh my god, everything it's gonna. I'm I'm worried that this show's gonna fuck up his whole career because he he delivers some lines that are kind of gross, and it's because his character's gross. <laughs> but he does it in such a way you're like. I think that might actually be the type of thing he might say in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in my entire life. Your tits look great in that shirt. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. It's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But that's it. Doug, what'd you watch? Oh, me? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't care about any of the stuff you watched, so I was kind of checked out there a little bit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You guys are on like this Harry Potter trend. I'm like, no, not interested. I haven't seen any of them. Can't can't offer anything. Like, tried to comment a bit on the Riker thing, but um, there's yeah, I watched a few things. I have been watching Boba Fett. I actually started a rewatch of it, so I'm three episodes into my rewatch. Um, hold, holds up real well it hasn't aged poorly at all um, if you guys are wondering okay um, let's see what else, what movies did I watch though um, oh because I've got my thumb clearly on the pulse of society and I'm keeping up with everything I finally watched the son of Frankenstein from 1939 which I've been meaning to get to for quite some time all right <laughs> It's it's Boris Karloff as the monster and Bella Lugosi as the guy who's ordering the monster around. It's it's fucking perfect. I don't know what else you could possibly want in a movie. There's also like there's also like a Frankenstein in there causing problems and all that shit that you would expect in a universal classic. The townsfolk all have their pitchforks, the whole thing. But it's Bella Lugosi ordering Boris Karloff's monster to go out and kill people on his behalf. <laughs> and I, I, it's fucking awesome. And it also is the lead in to my favorite universal classic, which is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Now I finally understand exactly how Frankenstein got buried underneath. <laughs> Cause I know where they dig one, him up from. You've been watching this one the whole time and not didn't know. <laughs> have, have I ever told you guys my story about the Frankenstein movies? No. If you, you, did, know, you guys know I'm, do you know I'm like a, you guys know I'm like the cheapest person in the world, right? Okay. So I years ago I decided I'm gonna buy all the Universal Classics, and it's back when those like box sets for each one were out. It was around the time that Van Helsing was in theaters, I think. So they had these like green box sets for like the Frankenstein movies and the Dracula and the and I ordered them all, which is like a big deal for me to spend that kind of money on things. Yeah. And I get my Frankenstein one, I ordered it online, I get it. And it, 
it, it was like two discs, and the first one had Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, and the other one had Ghost of Frankenstein and Son of Frankenstein on it, right? So I get it in, the second disc is scratched. So I like email in, and I'm like, can I like send this back to you and get like a new box set? And they go, ah, screw it, we'll just send you your money back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So now I've got the two movies that I know are good. I've got Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, which I now own for free. And it's like, am I going to rebuy this box set so I can watch Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein? Is that what's going to happen here? Like, am I going to spend that money just to see those two when I don't when I already have the, the two that I know are good? And I spent years contemplating it, trying to decide what to do there. I never made a decision. And so. <laughs> Didn't have to. And now I, I didn't have to because I think I think I watched your copy of Son of Frankenstein, Brian. That's... I think you're right. I put that together when you started this story. Oh, <laughs> like that's it took me this long to like stumble across a free copy of this movie. So <laughs> finally watched it. I actually so I, I bought I bought the a uh, couple of those sets, like two of them maybe. Yeah. I think the Dracula and the Frankenstein one. And then when they put the Blu-ray set out, they had like eight of the movies like re. Uh, restored or whatever. Pick that up. And then for some reason, uh, because of Drunken Zombie, I still get emails from companies asking me if I want, like, review copies of stuff. And most of them are garbage, so I don't even respond. Yeah. But they sent me, somebody sent me one. It's like, do you want a review copy of the giant Universal Monsters set that's like 33 discs on on, uh, DVD? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. So I have that set. And That's not, amazing. I, I love that set. I've barely watched any of them. I think I watched all the Invisible Man movies. It turned out, turns out I was not a huge Invisible Man fan. First one's, first one's pretty first decent. One's... The rest of them yeah. are kind of garbage. But I actually agree with you. They go into that weird comedy realm when you do the Invisible Man movies. And you're like, why am I watching a comedy when the first one was clearly a horror movie? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I got that giant set, and then they released it on Blu-ray. And even though I got it for free, I was kind of like, "Why can't I get the fucking Blu-ray set?" <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I forget there was one that I hadn't bought actually of those box sets, and then for some reason they changed it, and instead of the boxes being green, now that they made them gray. So there was one that I hadn't bought and I never bought it. Cause I'm like, I can't have all these green boxes on my shelf. And then the gray one at the end, that just, that, there's no way. Like if I buy that one, I'm going to have to buy all of these again to make the boxes match. So it's unfortunate. You know, what my favorite thing about son of Frankenstein is, is how, you know how I've mentioned that we never fix any of the problems in our society and everything's always wrong. There's literally a scene in son of Frankenstein where the character is like the the son of Frankenstein is talking about how it's not right because people refer to the monster as Frankenstein, but the monster is not Frankenstein. Frankenstein was the man who created the monster. He's literally saying that in this movie from 1939. That's how long we've been having that debate and we're (laughs) still having it. (laughs) I'm like, that's amazing. It's like a guy just, it's just a dialogue scene sitting on a train where this guy's just like trying to tell the audience to stop calling the monster Frankenstein. (laughs) <laughs> and somebody in the movie even says back to him that like oh but he's really the father of the monster so when you think about it the name would have passed on like it's actually the same comments you hear all the time today have been going on since 1939 
<laughs> and it makes me happy. And now you can be like, well, in Son of Frankenstein, they actually say. And you can back yeah. some up. Mind you, the stupidest part of that in this movie, the town is named Frankenstein for some reason. No, that's dumb. Which makes no sense to me at all. And it's like, how are you picky about the name of the monster, but you just changed the name of the town to Frankenstein? Okay, remember that Frankenstein guy who basically ruined our village? Let's let's rename our village after him. Like, the implication, I think, is that the town was always named that, but it wasn't named that. I don't know. It's very, very, very strange. But anyways, people should watch that. If you're a fan of the Universal Classics, and for some reason you're like me, haven't watched that, if you also have a weird story about why you've never seen that one, <laughs> definitely watch it. It's a really good idea. For some reason, I haven't traveled too far out of like the main ones, like Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman. Like I never really went too far into the sequels. I watched Bride of Frankenstein, obviously, and that one's amazing. And then I watched... Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I think after you were like, you should watch that one. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, oh, this is like the sixth movie in for, for something. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it, it really is the original like cinematic universe where they all start interconnecting and stuff. Mm. It's weird. But some of the sequels are really good. I think we are all going to have your favorite. Like, I think I'm on the record. I've said it before. I'm not the biggest fan of the Dracula ones just doesn't work for me but i love the frankenstein i love the wolfman i love the creature um and so the ones i've seen a hundred times are whichever ones i taped off tv like on sunday afternoons in the 80s and watched a hundred times on vhs but there's still a bunch that i never really got around to because they weren't on whatever that sunday afternoon horror movie show that i watched every weekend was (laughs) anyways is that, is that enough about that? <laughs> Do we need to go on more oh, more of a random rant? Um, I feel like we like, need to do a Universal Monsters Month at some point. I no objections whatsoever. Uh, I know I love me a theme month. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll hold that off for like October when it's like the appropriate yeah. time of year for them. It's a good idea. For some reason, I never got super into them. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've seen some of the bigger ones, but I just never, like, you know, really dug into them and stuff. It's they're always weird because it's like it start like the creature ones are the ones that I always point to, where it's like it starts out as this like weird tale of like these people wander off into the woods, where into like the lagoon and the jungle where they're not supposed to be, and they get hunted by this monster thing. And then by the third one, they're like trying to teach it how to wear clothes, and you're like, that's a that was a quick turn of events there. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like the mummy ones, like that seems like that should be like a template where it's just, yeah, that's a mummy comes back to life, tries to kill people. Next movie. Yeah. Well, more mummy stuff. Like there's ever... little mummies in the mummy movies though. It's all like, yeah, but I, I don't feel like we get to the part where it's like, well, we taught the mummy to wear clothes. I feel like it's just we're back in the jungle. More Gilman in the river. Oh. Oh, they put that Gilman in like a nice little enclosed area, like an outdoor zoo. They put clothes on him. <laughs> That's after they put him in Sea World in the second one. We'll discuss those one day when we've all freshly watched them. <laughs> uh, Want to know what else I watched? Sure. Uh, I watched a movie called Killer Joe. Do you guys remember this one? It came out a bunch of years ago. It's a William Friedkin movie. Um, 
I've seen it. It's just uh, one of those like thought it was okay at the time. Found out later yeah. it was a stage play, and I'm like, oh, that makes way more sense. And then was yeah. kind of like, okay, and then I haven't watched it since. I'm kind of I was the same way on it. I have no idea why I rewatched it. It was just it was one of those ones where I'm just flipping around on like streaming services and it's like there and I'm like, all right, I guess that's what's happening. Um, I liked it a lot more now than I did before. It's just one of those weird, like quirky drama type things where it just starts out with a bunch of stupid people being idiots and it, everything gets worse and worse throughout the whole movie until it all just ends very poorly for everyone involved. Like it, it literally is like the, the opening setup for the movie is that this guy is like going to be killed because he owes money. So he's going to like try to get his uh, stepmom killed for the insurance money and then they're going to split it and they're going to hire this killer Joe guy to do it. And that's like the setup for it. But then you realize like he he owes six grand. That's what he's that's what this is all about is he's like about to kill somebody over six grand. Um, but it, I mean, the guy that in question is. Emil Hirsch, who's a really good actor. So he puts on a really solid performance and like Thomas Hayden Church is in this and Matthew McConaughey is Killer Joe. It's like these big performances from these actors who are really good in these types of roles and keeps it interesting the whole time. And it's just, it's super weird and fucked up and I really enjoyed watching it more than I expected to. So it's a a recommend. Um, Very well made film. You're right when you mentioned that it's like a, a stage play, I had sort of forgotten that piece of trivia, but it's pretty obvious when you watch it, like it's very sort of set based. Um, there's a few places where they constantly go and there's not a lot of like big outdoor moments. So, yeah. And it feels small in that way, which I think works for the movie. It makes sense for the story, but it, it definitely feels that way. Yeah. Um, and then back to watching movies that you purchased so that I could watch them. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure that's how uh, that works. That, that's how it really works, but sure. That, that's how it works. You buy movies so that I can watch them because you told me that you haven't seen more American graffiti and that I have. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now it's official that you buy movies just so that I won't be bored at home, which I appreciate. I really do. Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure I bought that years ago. I was like, ah, oh never seen a more American graffiti. It's only five bucks and I want to see it. So if I rented yeah. it, it'd be about three. I might as well just buy it now and I can watch it some other time. And some other time hasn't come yet. Yeah. Well, thanks. So tell me, is, is uh, it, is it worth it? Is it as good as American graffiti? It, no, um, no, but that's not fair. I'm a big fan of American graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I like that style of movie. The American Graffiti, it's like, for people who maybe are listening to this and haven't seen it, um, it's it's dazed and confused, but in the 60s instead of the 70s kind of thing. <laughs> Which um, is Richard Linklater <laughs> always called dazed and confused the American Graffiti of the 70s, yeah. Yeah, like it, it is, but I like those kind of day-in-the-life movies where oh, sure. we drop in, we follow these characters around, we get to know them all, and it's the perfect thing is like a group of kids like leaving high school they tend to perfectly capture the culture at a certain time and american graffiti does a really good job of that which is why it's sort of the template for the ones that came after it um so what the sequel does is it tells stories of 
intertwined stories of s- several of those characters over the courses of multiple New Year's Eves throughout the years following that. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So you, you've got like three different stories going on that take place on like New Year's Eve, but three different New Year's Eves, like New Year's Eve 64, 66 and 67 or something like that. Right. And so you've got the one guy that is like the first, the first kind of the introductory story is the, the one guy that wanted to be a race car driver, he's having his day at the track. And it's all about that day of him being at the track. Um, one of the stories is like Ron Howard's character married with kids dealing with like kind of adult life problems and his it, it's adult life problems from the 60s. So it's like his wife wants to get a job and they're having a big fight about that and things are going awry. Um, and then there's like the one character is like a hippie in San Francisco in that time frame, and it's dealing with that lifestyle. So we're getting these different sort of slices of life stories from these different characters all at different times. And we're, it's hinted early on that some of these characters die in their stories. And so, well, one of them is the guy that was getting ready to enlist in the military in the first movie is now in Vietnam. That's his story, right? So you kind of start to feel like, well, I think we know who one of the people who dies might be, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it, I will say it is an interesting storytelling technique to jump around all these things. None of them quite play out the way you expect them to. Um, It's, I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, Mm. even they start like with the thing about, well, we know a couple of characters are going to die. Like right away, you can kind of go, well, we know which story takes place last. So we know that person's not dying. And you start, I, for me, I started getting involved in trying to figure it out. And they definitely, they do this thing where they tell you a little bit before the character passes away that they're going to. And their stories start to take on much more of like a more of a meaningful approach. Um, so I, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's not the first one, but that's not really a fair measure of a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's good. I, I recommend it to you if you're a fan of the first one. Mm. And I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on the way it plays out because there's some weird twists toward the end that are not what you would expect. Well, good. I was afraid you were going to be like, nah, it's terrible. And I'd be like, ah, damn no, it. It's not. It is super weird that like Ron Howard has a big mustache in it. He's playing like suburban dad. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. This is why you became a director is because you don't, you are not supposed to be this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And they play for, so they do some comedy with the fact that he's like, cause he's fighting with the wife and she storms off and he's home with the kids. (laughs) Like it's not working well with like sixties dad that is supposed to be going to the office and coming home and the wife takes care of the, the house and now he doesn't know how to do her job when she's not there it's pretty funny we've seen mr mom we know how it goes i haven't seen mr mom but you know really i haven't it's one of those just blank spots where i'm like i've constantly gone maybe i should watch that one day but that's gotta go on the list all right noah's probably gonna be like i fucking hated mr mom that's all right I'm just doing Michael Keaton month somewhere along the line here. Done. That's and Michael done. Keaton, right? 
Yeah. There. Michael Keaton, Terry Gar. Uh, that one guy that always has a mustache. Uh, the fuck was this? Are you, sure we sh- are you sure we shouldn't just watch Daddy Daycare? It's the same basic premise with much better actors. How dare you? <laughs> I haven't seen that either, just so we're clear. <laughs> I think I'd be ashamed of myself if I'd seen that one and not Mr. Mom. I've seen both, but I don't think I ever need to watch Daddy Daycare again. I have... Mr. Mom on Blu-ray, so I would watch that at any point. I mean, you could throw in Mr. Nanny in there, too. Get some Hulk Hogan. Oh, good lord. Mr. Mom and Mr. Nanny, that might work. That might be our our show. I think that's going to be, like, I think Mr. Nanny is going to be a horrible idea, but I think that's too good of an idea to pass up, so it has to happen. Can we... Did we just agree to put together a month of movies and force our listeners to to hear us talk about them where it's like one movie has Michael Keaton in it and the other one has Hulk Hogan. Yep. Is that what's happening right now? What are we going to do? Gung Ho and Suburban Commando? Ooh. <laughs> Suburban Commando. Uh, it's a nice place to live, but I wouldn't want to visit. All right. We'll discuss this off mic so our listeners don't get have it spoiled for them before we officially announce it. No, derail the podcast. Time to talk about Suburban Commando. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the other movie that Brian bought for me to watch Mm -hmm. was uh, Raising Cain, which I didn't know what it was, but it turns out it's John Malkovich. Or sorry, it's um, Lithgow. Lithgow with multiple personalities. So as soon as I found out that's what it was, I'm like, fuck everything else. <laughs> Every, everything on the back burner. I know what I'm watching. Yep. Um, I didn't know yeah. this movie existed, but now I absolutely have to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it for a long time and it was on sale for five bucks. And I was like, ooh, yeah, that's that's tempting to rewatch that. So I'll just pick that up now. Yeah, I, that's and that's the correct move. Um, yeah. Now. The problem is that the movie was came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with John Lithgow is that he's such a good actor that he's able to adapt to the time and place in which he's acting. Mm-hmm. And so he puts in a very 1992 performance. And I really, really wish that we could have got John Lithgow doing the same role. But, you know, 2005 John Lithgow instead uh, it would have been a much better performance, and I don't, I don't even. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like we've talked yeah, about how there's yeah. different eras of acting. In 1992, sure. is not my favorite era of acting. Sure, um, it's a little bit too big. It's not quite serious enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's maybe doing a Harry and the Hendersons when he should maybe bring it down a couple notches. Yeah, it's and it's not Harry and the Hendersons. I don't mean to. It's not that sure. Far, no, but I gotcha. But you're yeah. you're on the right track. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, it is a very solid performance. It's just not as good as I know he's capable of delivering. So it was one of those like my expectations were a little too high going in. Mm. And like the other thing that's weird about it is, um, it's a Brian De Palma movie, and I think there's a possibility that I don't like Brian De Palma movies. Because I've, I've come to that conclusion after watching like, like five of them. Yeah, it's like it's it's weirdly paced, and there's a lot of like side stories where I'm like, don't like. There's a whole thing where his wife's having an affair, and I'm like, I don't care if his wife has an affair. You've got 
like John Malkovich with multiple personalities. Just do that. And like, sorry, I don't know why I'm getting these all wrong. (laughs) You're inside Malkovich's head. It's all just Malkovich. It's weird. Anyways, um, it's not, I've got his picture in front of me and everything as I'm saying this and I'm still getting his name wrong. <laughs> and I'm talking about how good an actor he is and I'm thinking about him on Dexter and I'm still fucking it up. Um, anyways. But yeah, like it's it's weird. And like the, the actual plot of the movie it involves him like kidnapping kids to do experiments on them. And then there's this weird plot twist involving like things that were done to him when he was younger. And you're it's like, okay. There's a lot going on here. Like, make that mystery the centerpiece of your movie rather than having spending so much time on these like side issues. And you know, have uh, it was a little frustrating to watch. It, it was kind of played out like a little bit like a giallo, where you're like, like if you're going to introduce all these elements, I want them to all play into the finale, but they don't. You know, the, when we talked about uh, giallos a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how they just you kind of introduce a red herring and then you clear it up and move it out of the way. And it's like, well, then why did we do that? <laughs> we didn't really need to do that. You could edit sections of this movie out. And that's sort of how I felt watching this one. Mm-hmm. Like you should have been more of a build towards some of the big reveals that happen. And there should have been much more emphasis on, on just the performance from uh, Lithgow. And yes, I did hesitate there and double check <laughs> to make sure I was saying the name right. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I I think that's a De Palma thing and I'm not sure. And like, I'm hesitant to go back and like start watching De Palma movies and then prove to myself that I don't like them. But Mm -hmm. in my head, whenever I think Brian De Palma, like I go to like Carrie, I'm like, well, that's good. And I'm like, but does that, then is that the only one of his movies that I've seen that I really liked? It might be. Yeah. I noticed at some point that the, really the only De Palma movie that I've ever seen was Carrie. Obviously, uh, I didn't even realize Raising Cain was a De Palma movie until you just said it. So obviously yeah. I'd watched another one. But so I'm like, oh, let's check out some De Palma movies. I didn't really watch them. But I'd always heard like, oh, he rips off Hitchcock, but doesn't do it as good. And so then I would watch mm-hmm. stuff and be like, oh, yeah, they're right. This is very Hitchcockian. And then I found his movies are always way too long. I'd be like, oh, this movie yeah. wasn't terrible, but it was about half an hour too long. If they just cut out a half an hour out of this movie, it probably would have been all right. And I found that in multiple, multiple movies. So, okay. So that's, yeah, maybe I shouldn't watch those. I mean, that might be my thing. I don't know. That's up to you. (laughs) Instead of just coincidentally not watching them. Now I'm actively not watching them. That's the big change (laughs) that we just went (laughs) to Palma. Fuck that. Um, as the weirdest side note to this conversation that could possibly come up, I sort of watched the 2013 version of Carrie this week with oh. um, Chloe Grace Moretz. Mm-hmm. And man, that movie's bad. It is yeah, just it's not good. It's, it is just so polished and clean. And you're like, it's given the subject matter, nothing should be like every character looks like they're a Hollywood actress. And it's like, even when she ends up with like the blood on her at the end, it looks like you had like a consultant there to discuss exactly where the blood would look best. It's like, there's just no soul to it whatsoever. And I'm just like, this is just frustrating and annoying. Yeah. I don't like it. Weirdly. I think the TV movie of Carrie was better than the remake of it. Yeah. That's uh, Angela Bettis, isn't it? Yeah. Angela Bettis. 
Yes, she's, she's probably when you say the names of the actresses that have played Carrie, you're like, she's clearly the best one qualified for that role. <laughs> it's like I, I haven't seen that. I think I saw that a long time ago, but I don't remember it well enough to discuss it. And I'm I mean, like, that's yeah, it's a TV movie, so it's still not nearly as good as the De Palma movie, but it yeah. at least does some different things that I think are interesting. They're actually closer to the book, yeah. but yeah. I really like the book. I would when the 2013 movie came out, I actively didn't watch it. It was one of those ones where I like the trailers hit and I'm just like, no. And then I read the book instead. I'm like, that'll be what I do instead of seeing this movie, because clearly that's a better use of my time. And I really liked the book. Yeah. Turns out you were right. The book is told in the like, yeah, the book is in that really unique format, too, where it's like told after the fact and it's told through newspaper clippings and shit mm. and I, I really like that yeah it's kind of it's kind of the stephen king equivalent to bram stoker's dracula yeah which is that's what i was just thinking yeah. yeah i don't know how we're on a my our discussion of raising cane turned into a book review of carrie but and the palma yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah raising canes it's okay it's not I, I think if, if you know without the performance, it's I probably wouldn't enjoy it. But that performance is there, mm-hmm. and even though it's not as good as I want it to be, it's still good. So, still you know, keep out. buying stuff. If you could just keep buying <laughs> movies, so that I have to don't have to put a lot of thought into what I watch, that'd be great, Brian. Oh, you see the ones I've bought and that don't transfer over to movies anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn it. There's sometimes where I'm just like, oh, I wonder if this transfers over. The guys will probably be good, to, excited to watch it. They're like, oh, no. as a weird side compliment to all this, my kid asks if he can go through your movies to look for movies to watch now. He's oh, like, really? You put, he's like, can you put it on that YouTube channel you have, Dad? He doesn't understand it exactly, and I'm like, yeah, and I put it in there, and I hand him the remote, and he flips through. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, now I'm looking through my movies, trying to figure out which one I was talking about, but. Uh, maybe all yeah. the good ones did transfer over. Well, there's no point in telling me what didn't transfer over because you're never going to tell me about it because you'll never get around to watching it. So <laughs> Probably not. It's like just a movie that nobody's watching as opposed to the <laughs> ones that you buy that only I watch. Uh, I did buy Jacob's Ladder. That didn't transfer oh, yeah? over. The like original, I assume? Oh, the... yeah, yeah. I don't acknowledge the whatever remake that I've, just came out. I've never seen the remake, but... No, no point. There's no way it's going to be nearly as good. We haven't no, done and on my the, take on it was like, so we we haven't done it on the show, right? I Jake keep forgetting. Yeah, I keep forgetting. So that may have to be a show soon. All right, Jacob's Ladder and UHF. It is yep. no problem. Perfect um, together. Just, I mean, it's a no-brainer when you think about it. <laughs> it's the Vietnam stuff. Is when he does the Rambo parody. It ties in with the Vietnam exactly. Stuff from, uh, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. See? That fucking that is the war that keeps on giving. You know? <laughs> what the fuck else did you watch? Um, the last thing I watched is a movie called Subject Two, which mm-hmm. is a low budget take on the Frankenstein story, with the sort of unique twist being that so this this Frankensteinian doctor has figured out how to bring people back. Right. So there you go. So they're up in their like mountain retreat doing their experiments. And his whole thing is like, he doesn't really have access to a lot of bodies. So he kind of just keeps killing his assistant over and over again. (laughs) 
um, so that he can bring him back. And it is, but it's a movie that takes itself very seriously. It's not like done in like slasher way. So it's kind of dark as fuck that these guys are like buddies hanging out, working together in the lab. And then he's just like, need another body to bring back. Just going to stab this guy again. <laughs> Hope it works. Um, really kind of, really kind of a twisted thing. The movie itself is okay. It is very low budget and has like low budget actors in it. Um, you know, the all the problems or the charm of watching something like that that are that's inherent in that are here in mm-hmm. full effect. Um, I enjoyed it enough because it is kind of an original take on a classic story, and it is dark and serious. There's a an interesting twist at the end. I mean, the movie's called Subject Two. Turns out there was a Subject One. Um, oh. Probably not that shocking. So that twist ending, I, I didn't see it coming, which I think they. I won't even say what it was exactly, but it was is interesting enough, and it was something I didn't see coming, which is rare in movies nowadays like to actually have something unique happen so um that's probably one of those ones like yeah, i'd recommend if you're a weirdo like me that wants to watch low budget modern day frankenstein movies then you should watch this one but that's a very specific market that i'm recommending it to so have you ever seen a movie called come back to me no sounds like uh if you thought the, at least the subject matter of this one was interesting you should watch that one okay um, some lady starts having weird dreams that their new neighbor keeps killing her and she gets really weirded out by it and then starts like trying to figure out why she's having these dreams and weird shit starts happening. Okay. Just looking it up now. I yeah. Know. I mean, I it's got a, pretty much it, the, the plot description pretty much doesn't tell me anything you didn't just say. So yeah. it's a little slick. So maybe, you know, it's not, I mean, it's it's an indie movie, but I feel like it's not like a uh, sort of a gritty indie movie. So, really? even though it's made by an Australian, yeah. are they naturally gritty people. <laughs> you would think so. It's just I found everything in it kind of interesting. Even if uh, you're like, well, the performances weren't great. They're like, yeah, but if you really start thinking about the movie, I feel like you think of some really interesting things. Okay, so. I might give that one a watch. That sounds interesting. But uh, yeah, that's all I have to talk about. I assume we'll do some Boba Fett talk after the fact. Um, So what did you watch, Brian? Uh, Well, I watched like four things, but I don't need to go over three of them because we've covered them on the show before. Uh, A friend of mine was like, I still haven't seen Spider-Man. So I'm like, drop what you're doing. We're going now. So we went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home again. Still fantastic. Still really enjoyed it. Um, can't wait till it comes Yeah, the movie's so fucking good. It's a home video because I can't wait to pick it up. My kid is still re-watching all the old Spider-Man movies like constantly. Mm-hmm. He watched Spider-Man 3 again this weekend. And oh, it's like and two, 2 and 3. And I'm like, I, I'm just looking so forward to that he? day. I'm so looking forward to the day, though. I want them all fresh in his mind, so I can sit down with him and yeah. watch No Way Home. And he, like he, he won't understand, so he won't see it all coming. And mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. I'm just like I'm excited for it. Well, does he understand they're not like together? Yeah, he understands that there's explained to it, but yeah, he he knows that there's three different Spider-Men and that there's three different like 
like the lizard. He understands that the Doc Connors that shows up in the Raimi movies does not become the lizard in the Amazing Spider-Man movies and okay. stuff like that. So it's I think it'll make sense to him. You need and, to hook um, that child up with some of the uh, Spider-Man Sentai show. <laughs> right, really, really Do fuck it. his brain up. It was a Spider-Man that drove around in a giant robot in Japan. Yeah, Yegerdon. Yeah, well, I don't know if we'll go there. Yeah, who is watch some more episodes of Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends instead? Who is actually, uh, if you've seen Ready Player One, um, in the book, uh, the giant robot was the one from that Spider-Man show. And in the movie, for rights issues, they replaced him with the Iron Giant. Okay, I haven't seen that movie, so eh, it's a lot of fun. It's all just like look at all the properties we're going to throw on the screen. But sometimes yeah. I like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I assume like you go into it knowing that that's why you're going into it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Spider Man was awesome, fantastic. You'll have to give us a rundown when it comes to <laughs> probably when oh. I buy it. When I buy it and it shows up on your YouTube, you'll have to yeah. let us know how it works out. Well, we'll see because the, the the other two MCU ones are on Netflix here somehow. I don't know how that works, but mm-hmm. well, technically, because they're, they're yeah, they're Sony, right? Yeah, even though Marvel produces them, they're released as Sony properties. So yeah, because that's why I think at least down uh, in the United States, they're not on Disney Plus. But if they are, then they've been licensed yeah. by Disney from Sony to put up on Disney Plus. So yeah. They're not on Disney here either. So, um, this is the same friend that I'm continually trying to educate him on stuff since he's only like 28, so he's missed out on a lot of stuff. And last time he was over, he told me he's never seen the Critters movies before. Okay. So we watched parts one and two, but back yeah. to back, back to back. And I told him, "Here, we'll watch the trailers for three and four. Don't ever watch the movies." Oh, I don't know. That's, I think you can watch not three fair. and four. I'm yeah, I think fan. you can watch all the Critters movies. You can watch those. I think you can watch all the Critters movies. I think it's safe to say. Three's three's worth a watch just for Bebe Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. and yeah. and four's worth a watch just because uh, Brad Dourif shit 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 in space. Mm. Yeah, and Brad Dourif. So we wa- we watched the first two. He really enjoyed them. I told him we watched the first one. I'm so. like. Like, did you enjoy this one? He's like, yeah, I really thought the first one was great. I'm like, good. I'm like the second one, you know, the first one they took they took themselves a little seriously, which is weird. When you get to the second one, they're like, oh no, this is this should be a lot lot more funny. So let's let's crank up the comedy a little bit, and I feel like it it helps it a lot. So plus two is one of the rare Easter movies. Yeah, that's why I told him. Like, plus you can watch this during Easter, so works out for everybody. Uh, so he enjoyed the second one as well. Uh, win all around. Yeah, I mean, we knew he was going to enjoy those based yeah, on his totally. reaction to other movies. Totally, but he uh, sometimes. I mean, you know, when I first started this endeavor, he uh, was like. Oh, I love B horror movies. Nope, never seen any of the Evil Dead movies or Army of Darkness. And I'm like, what is your problem? Yeah. Can't say those things. Like, what? What did he? What had he seen? I don't know. I'm That's assuming just like, stuff, just like stuff on like Mystery Science Theater or something. I don't know. 
whatever. Um, the last thing I saw, I went and saw the new Scream movie. Uh, I will not spoil stuff, but I will say it's a Scream movie. So whatever that means to you, will tell you how you're going to feel about it. Such as I'm sure Noah right now is like, that sounds like garbage. Not going to watch that. Yep. Uh, but I enjoy the Scream movie, so I had a good time watching it. Um, I put together a nice little like Easter egg article for the website I write for. So it was know. fun. I might go see it just to support David Arquette's career, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's about just, it. Just buy a ticket and not actually watch the movie just because you're just, just here for David. No, you should watch it. David Arquette's probably the best thing in the movie, which I'm not even kidding. Like his character has a nice dramatic arc throughout the entire movie. Good. Maybe that'll give I got him that a, feeling a chance to resurge. Yeah. So it's a uh, yeah, it's a screen movie. So take that for whatever, whatever you want. I mean, you get everything. And there's a big uh, discussion about elevated horror in this one because you got to talk about the horror genre in general. Wherever these come out, so yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty. It's I'm looking forward to getting it. to it one day. Yeah. Um, there's even a couple cameos which I miss because they're just voice cameos in the in the movie. So it's fun stuff to look up trivia afterwards. Okay. Yeah, but um, I would say recommend if you're going to uh, if you're a fan of the screen movies, check it out. If they ever open ever open our movie theaters back up here, I'll go see it. See how nope. that works. <laughs> nope, you're never getting movies ever again. Just gonna close them down. Everything's gonna go direct video up in Canada. Right. We're gonna close down our theaters and reopen our blockbusters. We'll be like, here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. Well, we kind of already talked about it earlier. The show kind of came together in this episode. So I guess we're doing UHF and Amazon Women on the Moon for next week. Yeah. I have no idea what Amazon Women on the Moon is. Just so we're clear. Oh, you're either gonna love it or hate it. There's going to be no in yeah. between. Confusing, bizarre conglomeration of shit. Yeah. Well, considering how happy Noah sounds, I have a feeling I might hate it, but we'll see. I don't know. I really enjoy it too. So, <laughs> could go either way. Um, did you ever see Kentucky Fried Movie? Nope. Oh, well, then that means nothing to you. <laughs> uh, it's basically like uh, Joe Dante, John Landis, and couple other directors from around that time just doing a bunch of weird anthology type stuff but it's sort of centered on the idea that you're watching a, a TV station and things weird things keep happening alright so yeah um, I think there's a bunch of hilarious jokes in this movie so can't wait to talk about it and doug will be like this was terrible i don't ever want to watch this movie again <laughs> we don't know that i don't either but it's i feel not, like we're not seeing... unreasonable but it's not going to be uhf just don't uh don't i'm gonna watch hopes. it before uhf watch I mean, it probably, before uhf that's probably a good idea um it's i'm already made, i'm making that decision now because <laughs> <laughs> no matter what uhf can only make it better because even if it's terrible, yeah. oh, UHF will make it better. Even if it's good, it's still not UHF good. So UHF will still make it better. Sally Weaver, do you <laughs> want to keep your red snapper or take what's in the box that Daniel son is bringing down the aisle right now? <laughs> the fish, the fish, the box, the box. 
Uh, so many inappropriate things in that movie nowadays, but it's still funny. <laughs> you can already tell that next week's show is going to be a shit show of us just <laughs> screaming out our favorite lines. Pretty much. And I think UHF was on like a couple weeks ago and I was just flipping around and I watched like 20 minutes of it. So now I'm already even more excited to go back and watch the whole thing. All right. So we talked some Boba Fett, I guess, for the past couple weeks. Boba Fett? Yeah. I don't even remember what happened two episodes ago. Uh, he episodes recruited ago the speeder bike gang. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of not a fan of that stuff. Yeah. See, I like the idea of that gang. I like I like the idea of that people like modify like in the post Vader era that punks are like mm-hmm. modifying their bodies and stuff. That part's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the I didn't what? like the look of their bikes. Oh, my yeah, God. The, the 50s I, like mod stuff is. Yeah. I don't I don't like the look of the gang either. So I'm I'm into the idea of it. I'm into the like droid parts and all that. Mm. But yeah, hot hot rod uh Victorian steampunk is just it does it's not Star Wars. It's fucking weird. It doesn't belong there. That's and that's my complaint about the bikes is it's not Star Wars. I don't mm. have as much of a problem with the characters, but yeah. like they should you, just be riding those you don't? same motorcycles They're, that everybody else. Them wearing the fucking those goofy ass that I mean, one character's wearing a fucking like studio Ghibli fucking gray 25 button trench coat. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. It just doesn't bother me as much when I'm watching it, partly because it's gray and it blends in with the background of everything else. The bikes are way too colorful and annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not our time on this when we could be discussing. Can we can we just talk about Danny Trejo now? Sure. I was going to mention, yeah. Just talk about the uh, the fucking pet rancor. Yeah, the twins show up and gift them a rancor. And they're like, hey, we're getting out of town, so here's a new rancor. Peace. And they're on. They're like, out of there. Oh, and the rancor comes with Danny Trejo. (laughs) It's like, sure. Yeah. That seems like something that would be thrown into it, like an action figure box set. If you buy a rancor, (laughs) it comes with Danny Trejo, rancor trainer. Um... (laughs) I love the idea. Like, first of all, I, I fucking love the idea that they're humanizing rancors at this point. That's how far into Star Wars lore <laughs> we are. Is we're going to learn more about rancors. All right, I'm in. Um, but I, the idea of Boba Fett with a pet rancor is fucking amazing to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is like, that is like what would have happened if you just stopped me on the way out of the theater in 1984 and were like, what would you like to see next? <laughs> that might be what I came up with. And specifically Boba Fett mentioning that he wants to learn to ride a Rancor. I know. How fucking is amazing be, is that? If that doesn't happen this season, I'm going to be so pissed. I feel like it's like a final see. episode thing. Yeah, I yeah. feel like the final episode is him riding a Rancor into battle, which is great. Yeah. I'm already I'm, I'm already on board for it. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, all that stuff was just it was executed quite well with just like Treo talking about how like oh yeah, the the rancor is a little bit depressed and that's why it's not being very active today and you're like what the fuck <laughs> all that shit made me so happy and they bond with the first person they see when they take the blindfolds off so they make sure it's Boba Fett yeah, yeah. that stuff's fun that and I mean like it's all just realistic enough we're like sure that happens with some animals I guess I don't know I've never heard of that but <laughs> it's fine <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, 
going to say we also got what everybody wanted. And that's a whole bunch more Wookiee. More Wookiee in your life. Even ripped a dude's arm off. That was pretty delightful. (laughs) Yeah. I kept telling him not to. Our new Wookiee. They're like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And you see him sitting there thinking about it. They're like, come on, man. You don't want to. And then he's just, nah, fuck this. Tears his arm off. Throws it on the floor. (laughs) Oh, that seems so great with that that woman. She gives that great speech and she's offering him money and, uh, you know, that, hey, just calm down and we're going to hook you up and it's going to be so great. And it's like, no. <laughs> God damn it! Another fucking arm. But I did. Yeah. I did one of the videos I watched. Apparently, it is lore that those that species regrow their limbs if they get pulled off. Well, and it was oh, really? pretty deep lore that he was yeah. getting pissed off. You know, in the uh, in the comic books, and I think in some of the novels, they expand on the fact that the so the Trandoshans are slavers, mm. and they. They especially are notorious for the fact that they basically took over the Wookiee home planet and enslaved the Wookiees for like a hundred years. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Wookiees were slaves in Solo, right? That was a whole thing that they didn't do very well. I, in I don't movie. know. I blocked that movie yeah. out. It's a good idea. But because uh, I remember that was one of the things that I was annoyed by. I was like, there's a whole plot line here, but slave and Wookiees that we should probably be exploring instead of finding out where he got his pants or whatever the fuck. They were doing <laughs> <in that movie. laughs> Did they do that? I don't even remember. I've only seen it that yeah, one they time do. in the theater. They explain where he got his pants. They explain where he got his gun. They explain where he got his name. And then we're like, Wookiee slaves. And Chewbacca has to decide whether to save them or honor his life debt to Han Solo. No time to explore that discussion. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. Mm. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Speeder bikes. No bueno. Rancor. Very bueno. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it looks it like our, the, the more. It looks like the big bad guys aren't going to be the huts and it's going to be the pike syndicate instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hearing rumors that that could tie into whatever Darth Maul was doing at this time. Does anybody else understand all that? Oh, it could it could be the Black Sun. So could, is it possible we're going to at some point get to watch Darth Maul fight Boba Fett? Because just Darth, find Darth the guys Maul from robot the... legs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, yeah no, that's 100 percent a thing that could happen. I, the idea of just like, remember that guy that everyone liked, but he didn't have enough to do in the trilogy? And they're like, which trilogy? And it's like, you're right. We'll put them both in. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I, mean, I guess that does tie into Solo. We did get that scene at the end. Yeah. Darth yeah. Maul was still alive, so. It's it's hard like to keep track of all the timelines with all the different cartoons and stuff for me to figure out exactly where different yeah. people were at different times. But I I think at this point we've got just Darth Maul would just be floating around. Yeah, Darth Darth Maul doesn't die until like right before uh, Episode Four starts. No, but wouldn't wouldn't Boba Fett take so, place after Return so of the Jedi? He, yeah, so then he would be dead at this point. Well, no. Yeah, because you know, yeah, yeah. Obi Wan kills Obi Wan kills Darth Maul. Correct. So Obi Wan dies previous to the Boba Fett show, so it's not possible that he shows up. Never mind. Wait, what? 
So I haven't caught up to all yeah. the cartoons. In, in one of the cartoons, we see Boba Fett and Darth Maul get their rematch. Or not Boba Fett, sorry, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. and oh, okay. Darth Maul get their rematch. And Obi-Wan does kill him. Yeah. But is that cartoon canonized or decanonized? Yes. It's canon. Yeah, canon. It's one okay. of the canon ones. I wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't canon, Brian. Gosh, well, I don't know. It's, it's even it's a pretty great fight scene. They kind of do the uh, like the samurai style fight scene where there's just one strike. You know what I mean? They kind of mm-hmm. just run at each other and it's over. Mm. It's it's done. It's done really well because it's it's this interesting yeah. thing of after all these years, uh, Obi Wan figured out how to like forgive Maul for what he did. Mm-hmm. So he actually doesn't even want to kill Maul, <laughs> but Maul can't stop being all pissed off. Mm. It's really good. It's a, it's yeah. a good ending to that story. Is that and that's Clone Wars, right? Uh, I'm trying to remember if that was in an episode of Clone Wars or if that's in an episode of Rebels. Because mm. I got a couple seasons in the Clone Wars and then kind of fell off again. So maybe I need to start it back up. It's hard because there's so much of it out there now. I know. This is still when they were doing 22 season, 22 episodes a season. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was a, it was an episode of Rebels. Oh, it was a Rebels. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I know I've seen it, it and I haven't. Yeah. I watched all of Rebels, but it was a while ago now. I haven't seen all of Clone Wars yet. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, so what about the latest episode of Boba Fett? I'm trying to remember what happened in that one now. Uh, I know the big back. The back story was how he got his little side character there where he yeah. found her in that episode oh, of Mandalorian yeah. and yeah. got well, her modified. And it's also the reveal of that the mayor had sold out Tatooine to the uh, Pike syndicate. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 90% of the episode was that chase sequence of the hot rod speeder uh, bikes. God, that was slow. Why was it so slow? <laughs> <laughs> why was that shot with the technology that they had when they made the original trilogy so that nothing could move fast well and the worst thing is they were trying to act like they're badass they're like look at how badass they are and it's like no they look like they look like fucking nerds wearing anime cosplay riding <laughs> primary colored tricycles like it's fucking stupid mm-hmm. well as soon as in the previous episode when they showed up I'm like oh no these are supposed to be like mopeds that's terrible. Yeah. Once again, I love the show in general. Yeah. But that, that. But man, that is a big fucking complaint that I'm not going to be able to let go of. They look so fucking stupid. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So I was explaining to Amanda because we were watching. I'm like, oh, this is the first season of The Mandalorian is when this is taking place. And she didn't remember that. Uh, uh, Fennec had been left in the desert, and then uh, we just saw mystery feet show up, which we now know is Boba Fett. Well, mystery feet that everyone knew was Boba Fett because you heard the spurs when he was walking. Well, yeah. yes, but we know for sure it's Boba Fett now. Yeah, that's. Uh, we get to see him somewhat put his new rancor to use when he has all these people over for dinner, and they're not. Not uh, vibing with what he's planning, and he's just like, "Oh yeah," and then Rancor like rattles the cage that they didn't realize they're sitting on. Uh, I was gonna say that was the other bit of backstory too. They had to break into Jabba's palace to liberate the slave one. 
Uh, it's, what is it? The Firebrand? Yeah. Is that what it is or something now? They renamed well, it? Yeah. Well, he just refers to the type of ship it is now. Oh. He doesn't ever say the name of the yeah. ship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we get that kind of dark thing of him chasing down that speeder bike gang that killed the Tuscan Raiders and basically exterminating them. <laughs> yeah. That that's pretty fucking dark. Just the mass murder kind of thing. Yeah. They're mass murderers too. It was they deserve Sure, it. sure. And it's Star Wars. Life's not important in the Star Wars universe. People forget that. Yeah. Um well, plus what did you guys think of him? They, sh- they going shoot back lasers. To the Sarlacc pit? Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Sarlacc pit's good. Yeah, the Star- him going back to the Sarlacc pit was interesting. Mm. Do you guys notice they tried to retcon to make the Sarlacc pit from the original trilogy as it was released in theaters match the the special edition Sarlacc pit? <laughs> because it's like he's clearly it looks like the yeah it looks like the original version and then the beat kind of comes out and you're like okay so apparently George Lucas didn't retcon that he just you know shot it from a different angle or something (laughs) but hey at least they're not filling the screen with do-backs god damn (laughs) do-backs Yeah, it was nice. And then, yeah, the tentacles come out, they're getting sucked in, and then Fennec releases the, the, the sonic bomb, destroys it. I love his reaction, too. He's like, you know, thank you for saving our lives. Never touch the buttons in my ship again. <laughs> <laughs> that was... The performance from Boba Fett is really good throughout this. He's able to play it that deadpan serious and still get a little joke in. Which is hard, right? He does a good job, and I like it. <laughs> uh, then it looks like he's done with the uh, the bath tank. They did say he's fully healed. Yeah. Does that mean no more backstory? Is that the idea? Uh, this one of the videos I watched seemed to surmise that we're not that we're not getting any more flashbacks. Yeah. Which I'm like, well, I'm it's fine with it. Like, I didn't. At this point. Yeah. yeah. Did you get, did, I don't know if we talked about this before, but like, did the, it seems like some people are bothered by the flashbacks and the storytelling technique. Does anybody, were you, any of you guys? Cause I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good way to fill us in on what had gone on. I mean, while I at the same time advancing the new story. It. Yeah, I don't, the only problems I have with the series is the fucking mopeds. Yeah. Although, although I do, I would argue that some people are wrong about something. Everybody keeps saying uh, that everybody wanted this you know, Western story about a badass bounty hunter out doing bounty hunter shit, but you already got that in the Mandalorian. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's true for an episode. Like that was the first episode of the Mandalorian. And then they stopped doing that and have not dealt with bounty hunting again. But I get, I get that they're trying to do something different with this show and it's fine. I kind of, I like the idea of that. It's this guy who's worked for these evil people and kind of come down to the idea of, well, I'm not a good guy, but I'm also not these stupid pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I find it very interesting and I find it's like they've especially now that we've got the backstory filled in. It is this it's a natural progression of this character who just he didn't give a fuck. 
And then he realized like, oh, by not giving a fuck, I also lived in a world where nobody gave a fuck about me. And so now he's kind of like, well, I'm going to take over and I'm going to I'll be in charge and we'll do things differently. Still a crime lord, but he's going to be more of a, mm. a a little bit more of a sympathetic crime lord. I don't know. Yeah, they have fine. They have come up with an interesting um, sort of way to explain that, where it's like, well, if he's not in charge, somebody's going to be in charge. And so, yeah. at the very least, he can at least be in charge and be good, whereas everybody else will be more ruthless. And so, yeah. they at least give he, it a good idea to, like, you know, of of why he would still be somewhat of a good guy, even though he's a crime lord. Yeah. In in a world where like uh, a drug running pirate was the hero of the first movie, I don't see why this reformed bounty hunter can't be the hero of this series. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just the the universe that the Star Wars universe is not one where like yes the Jedi are good and the Sith are evil, but everyone else is kind of in this weird gray area, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that makes it interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything else in this episode? There wasn't a lot. It was well, we talked about Wookiees ripping people's arms off. That was pretty cool. Oh, he uh, he recruits that Wookiee guy to come be part of his yeah. uh, whatever now. Yeah, he's part of his going to be part of his team. He's building up muscle, which is good because mm-hmm. really his muscle is that gang of bikers that no one doesn't oh. like, and now a Wookiee and a couple of those <laughs> green guys, whatever they're called. Gamorians, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, he he needs more muscle, and that muscle in the form of that badass Wookie is going to be awesome. Chris Santin or whatever. I'm not sure yeah. how to say it. I don't know. Just but I'm more, really looking forward to him in battle. More badass Wookie. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. So all oh. the Wookie all the time. <laughs> Now I'm excited for Disney's next show, Wookie. <laughs> you can't understand any of it. It's just all them growling at each other. Just the Christmas hey, special. Just <laughs> I'm watching porn on a weird box. I hope uh, I hope there's a limited amount of porn in these Disney Plus series about Wookies. <laughs> that's just my take on it. Well, that's what it was in that fucking Christmas special. I, no one's arguing your point. No one's arguing your point. I'm saying that let's not like we've learned our lessons. You know, I, I think Dave Filoni and John Favreau know better than to go Wookiee porn on us. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, maybe not Dave Filoni. Shots fired. Dave uh, Filoni all of a sudden. I figure you go after Favreau. Cause who knows? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.